Are you drinking anything right now? Uh, just an energy drink to stay with the game. Hmm. What about you? I have a Lagunitas beer of some kind. Nice. 7.5% alcohol by volume. So I've got, I've got two. So we'll see how, that, how far that takes me. Yeah. You only have two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Darn. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This could be a long podcast. I, oh, I forgot to ask you, how many people do you have in your power rankings? I only have 10 and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a few more. Yeah. I mean, do we really need to go through 40? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you were warned. Okay. Anyway, should we start the pod? Might as well. Hello, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Headcanon. This week on Headcanon, spoiler warning, we're talking about Avengers Infinity War. And all the spoilers from it. So you've been warned now. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening until you have seen the movie. Yeah. All right. And and there you go. Uh, can we start by really expressing some shit talking about the Venom trailers? Oh, it's so uh, bad. I have now seen, so prior to seeing Infinity War, they played the Venom trailer and the Upgrade trailer back-to-back. featuring Wait, what's upgrade? upgrade? Upgrade is the one featuring, what's his name, Foe, Tom Hardy, uh, Ryan's brother from the OC. They're Ooh. both about, you remember Ryan's brother from the, from I, the OC? Vaguely, yeah. The guy, he went on to be in Devil, he went on to be in Prometheus, um, he's in The Invitation. Um, but but he's faux Tom Hardy. I mean, in both movies are about like merging into like one festering pile of symbiotic shit. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I've seen the trailer for this or not. It doesn't look familiar to me. It looks like don't have like gooey shit happening. Like if it's a, just a computer chip in your brain that makes you upgrade and fight people and you don't have like crazy Tom. Oh, Hardy maybe maybe I've seen a trailer for that. Yeah, that's, that's dumb though. Um, I, I definitely know in that awful venom trailer, the shot where he's like falling kind of behind the bike on like a bike jump and then like symbiote shoots out of his stomach. That's yeah. that, that's bad. It's, it looks so bad. It seriously, like if you told me, Oh, they shot this like 12 years ago and they have just been sitting on it and it's like, you know, been tied up in lawsuits and they're finally releasing it now and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause this looks like it's from like a decade ago. It looks like it's pre Marvel cinematic universe where they're like, they didn't really know how to make comic book movies very well yet. Like, uh, there's going to be a cameo from, like, Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher. Not even that. This is before they, I mean, it's it's like they don't know how to do the whole connected storyline thing, as evidenced by the fact they're making a fucking Venom movie without Spider-Man in it. Or let's uh, let's bring back uh, J.D. Salinger's son as Captain America. Yeah, well, like, how do you, I mean, the whole fucking look of Venom, for starters. I mean, the Venom character is, like, so rushed from, like, villain to anti-hero to, like, try to make him a standalone character without earning it. Venom is, like, 90% his costume, and you know what the important detail of that costume is? He has the cool, like, alternate spider on his stomach, Why or on his chest. Why would he have that now if Spider-Man isn't in the movie? Yeah. Well, I just, I don't want to see little Tom Holland zipping and zooping around. This also, isn't he dead? Um, Tom Holland. Oh, not Tom. Yeah, yeah Peter Parker. But Hardy, like, yeah. yeah, it just 
it just looks so dumb. And I can't stand that dumb accent he's using. And it's like, Michelle Williams, you have done so many better movies. You don't need to be the girlfriend in this piece of shit. Well, isn't the cast in that movie like weirdly too distinguished for such a shitty yeah, movie? There's too much of a pedigree. Well, the guy, um, he's been a lot of things. Um, I, I forgot his name. He's one of the crew in like Rogue One. Oh, he's, like, supposed to, yeah. Yeah, he's supposed to be a great actor. And it's like, why does he keep ending up in these these terrible things? I'm seeing the cast here, Jenny Slate. Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Reza Med, Woody Harrelson. Like, you guys, like, why did you not hold out for a Marvel movie? That's what I don't know. I, don't, I want to know why anyone would, like, be willing to do the Venom movie when you're like, now I'll, I'll just wait for the next Spider Man movie, maybe. You know, like, I'll, I'll wait for some other hero you're introducing and I'll be in that instead. Also, something about Jenny Slade's, like, excellent comedic timing and the way she uses her voice. When I watch that bit where she shows up in the trailer, I swear to God, I think I've slipped into like a Lonely Island video. Like I feel like it's one of those S and M, S and L, S and M, S and L, digital shorts. Mini Mart following him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. her. Okay. Well, and he's like stupid. Like I'm pretty good about hiding in plain sight. You, you're terrible. Ooh. You, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> that trailer is bad. Um, both times I've seen the movie, the uh, Infinity War, because I've seen it twice. They've played the Venom trailer in front of it at some point, and the audience—it's just like nervous laughs after that trailer. They're just like, "Okay," <laughs> they're like, "What is that shit?" It's not even like it's—they haven't even fooled people into thinking like, "Oh, it's Venom." Yeah, it's, it's like a Spider-Man thing. Like, it's like people know they're like, "No, this is this is fake." Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Sony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sony, you fucking idiots! Like, God, it's like. Marvel had to hold your hand and make a good Spider-Man movie and they let you off the leash for two seconds and you go make this shit. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Did see see the solo trailer in the theaters though. That's nice. Looks better on the big screen. Especially the the night shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... It's not a terrible trailer. It's a fun trailer. It, uh... It's Star Wars, but it's a little different. Um... Have yeah, you noticed kind of, that in all the in all the TV spots, they've got like some electric guitar, like versions of the Star Wars theme. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I I can't imagine that's in the actual score, but it would be interesting if it was. What if that's the that's part of the John Williams? <laughs> Just nothing but shredding on electric guitar solo. <laughs> Big middle fingers. He's just like that's how badly I want to be done with this. Anyway, should we talk about the most highly, hotly anticipated movie of the year? The, was it was the uh, mean the most ambitious crossover of all time or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I know people like to make fun of that, but uh, isn't it though? Movie, I would say yes. I would yeah. say I mean, just the existence of this movie it makes a lot of promises to its audience. And real quick, I think you could say it fulfills those promises, right? Oh yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed it. Well, give me your opening statement. Okay, it's a little little rambly. I'll try to be quick. Um, I mean, this is a massive like summer movie. It's it's a movie that requires like not one, not two, but like five MacGuffins. Um, and I think it's kind of crucial to judge it as the first half of like a five to six hour larger effort. Um, and I I'm still kind of processing my feelings on it. I, I definitely enjoyed it. I can't say if it's like more than the sum of its parts yet. Um. But there are you know, there are relationships that you want to pay off here, and some do, and some you won't see in this effort yet. But you know they're coming, so it's like it's unfair to 
shit on them here. Um, but I think we're going to probably do the best to study this movie with criticism, like neutral criticism, not pure dislike, even if I seem like it. But anyways, this is a movie, a literal title of Infinity War. So I was really worried about like ad nauseum fighting and city leveling and explosions and expositions. But there's some nice moments where it's just quiet. I appreciate that. And then other times where you should have got like a, a good character beat, you get jokes instead. Um, it's a lot of like good guys handing over MacGuffins to bad guys to save another good guy's life. Um, but it's it's a it's you know it's taking your action figures and smashing them together at times and seeing like what it'd be like if these handsome doofuses were to, like try to one up each other. Uh, some characters you know, perfect. Some get way too much screen time, like Peter Quill. Um, some get too little, but I think for the most part, this movie works. It's got great pacing as it feels like the first part of a two part TV season finale. Um, uh, yeah. Little, 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 but like, it's, it's an interesting balancing of tone. Cause it feels like it's more of like a guardians of the galaxy movie to me than a black Panther or a captain America movie. But you, you really walk a tightrope of certain characters like Thor and even Gamora. Um, and some of these pairings, work and some of them don't uh i like zoe saldana i don't know if there's enough there with gamora uh but then there's there's fucking josh brolin and this malthusian specter spark conversation i just feel like this this big purple cartoon character who can literally be anywhere in the universe peel back time space you know turn reality swiss cheese for a laugh and he spends his time punching people to be wistful and it's that kind of movie um anyways i could i could ramble on for a while but like it feels like it's definitely a movie that was inspired by Killmonger a little bit with its villain and I'll stop there. All right. Uh, I would disagree with the inspired by Killmonger, but anyways, my opening statement, I think this is a great movie, easily the best Avengers movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yet I can't help but feel like a little bit of a twinge of melancholy afterwards. I feel like we've hit peak Marvel. Like no matter where the franchise goes from here, the experience of infinity war will never happen again. Um, there will probably be better standalone films to come and the crossover is just as big and impressive, but you can only kill off half the MCU once and make it feel like this. Uh, it's just a law of dimension return says that we should take a moment and enjoy this one while you still can. Um, it kind of reminded me of when I finished the age of apocalypse comic series. Um, it was just like, I don't know. That was like, that was peak X-Men for me. Like, and it just, it was never quite as good afterwards. I don't know. It's Simon Pegg in the world's end, you know, knowing in my heart, it'll never feel this good again. And you know what? It never did, but it was a great experience. Are you a little bit worried about, um, because you know, there's gonna be some rollback with some of the, the big shit that happens here. Are you worried about, like you said, you know, they can't go for these kind of stakes in the future, but like, Will that diminish anything that happened here? No, I have long rants about that that we should probably save for later as we get to that part of the story. But no, it is not a problem for me that some of the things that happen in this movie might be altered by, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet or some other Deus Ex Machina. I think, I don't know. I feel like you're missing the point of the movie if uh, that's what you took away. Okay. Uh, it's... It's an interesting movie with Thor being the main character. Uh, it's not even like reverse hero's journey because it's not like we understand him and then put pressure put him under pressure and watch him change. It's like we kind of come to understand him more by the end um, as he goes around punching people and being wistful about it. I, I listened to one podcast. I've only listened to one podcast about it so far, and they described Thanos' movies basically being like cosmic Paul Ryan which made me laugh. Um, uh, what podcast was that? Unsubscribe. That's a stupid take. What did you feel about just Brolin's performance? No, I thought he's great. Um, okay. 
I unexpectedly, I was expecting Thanos to suck, and it's like this is going to be a fun movie for all the team ups, and it's going to be a Marvel villain that is just like wah wah wah, you know, rule the galaxy. But no, I, I thought he's much better than expected. Okay, what podcast was that? Um, maybe one of the Slate ones. Hmm. No, no, he's he's more he's more on the 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 authoritarian left side than the right side, I would say he's a conservationist, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's, there's that whole Malthusian issue about resources mm-hmm. and he's fair about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into moments. I feel like I could have had a lot more here, but I've written down five. Okay. I also have five. All right. Well, hit me up with your, uh, honorable mention. So my my first my honorable mention is this movie is absolutely stupid and I I love it all the same. It's the bonkers absurdity of Drax uh, witnessing the moment between Peter Quill and Gamora, and it's just, dude, how long have you been standing there? Like five minutes. I says an hour. <laughs> oh, is it an hour? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but like he's mastered the art of like, moving so slow that he's invisible. For a second, I thought they were gonna like call back to that later where he's actually done that, but no. <laughs> I just like half of the Guardians of the Galaxy just feels like it's improvised. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting because we're seeing the Guardians be written by someone other than James Gunn. I mean, I wonder, did the Marcus and McFeely, the writers, did they like give him a call or anything? Or are they just like, fuck it, we're going to we're going to do our own riff on it and we don't need his input. I wonder how that went down. Well, I know the rubber band man came from him. Hmm. Um, because you got to figure as a producer uh, I'm sure he had input among all the various Marvel mini franchises his feels like the most personal I guess like Mm -hmm. he has the most authorship of it as compared to all the others Uh so yeah I feel like he has a little more ownership of those characters than most and lingering style Mm -hmm. you know for two movies I mean you definitely you knew when it was time for the Guardians because they started playing an old 70s song well, yeah, and 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 they captured the feel. The Russos definitely captured the feel of the Guardians movies. Like I said, it feels to me like much more, like their style kind of wins over more so than the others, just because of the nature of the story. All right, well, my number five, maybe this could be higher. I don't know. Uh, when Thor arrives in Wakanda with the Stormbreaker. Uh-huh. Uh, just the big swell of the Avengers score. Um, I don't know about your audience, but my audience like did all but stand up and give it an, uh, an ovation there when that happened. Like they're clapping in their seats, like going mad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was wondering like how long can this movie keep like the big three apart? And it was nice to see at least two of them, you know, touch base. Yeah, I'm trying. So Thor never met up with Tony, right? As I recall, no. I think no, 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 met Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tony never made that flip phone call to the cap. <laughs> All right, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is it's a little bit all over the place, but it's in the the Wakanda trench with Okoye and Black Widow and Scarlet Witch fighting together. It's not just that it's like a yay girl power moment as they take on uh, was it Proxima Midnight. Mm-hmm. But in a, like a third act war scene that just felt like pure chaos, it was nice to see a little more up and close personal stuff of like certain battling characters who are essentially like hand to hand combat fighters. Um, so I just I kind of enjoyed just like peeling back a moment and just like like watching this snapshot of the fight. Plus, mm-hmm. they're all great characters. Definitely, yeah. 
my number four and i don't know this is just for the the delight of the unexpected was when the red skull appears on vormir like it's just like holy shit the red skull i i really wonder is is that is is that it for the red skull where they bring him back again um like out of nowhere like this is the last character expecting to show up in infinity war like i was pretty sure we'd never hear from the red skull again and there he is well like part of it you know i'm watching that scene and i'm like well obviously it's not hugo weaving turns out it's some guy from the walking dead but i, I was thought, like i thought the voice was close enough yeah yeah it was, it's a fine accent i but i was just like wait a minute was he messing around with the reality stuff or the is that is the soul stone sorry was he fucking around with the soul stone i was like i don't remember no it was a tesseract <laughs> So like for like, like like I'm just sitting there for like five minutes like trying to run that over in my mind, and he basically tells you, yeah. Um, okay, so top three. Mm-hmm. I put this one just because of the nature of this movie. I put Doctor Strange and Iron Man talking about the stakes of the time stone, how to protect it. It's the most important thing yet. As they're like chatting away on this cosmic donut, hurling towards in sp- through space towards Thanos and Titan. And I had to stop for a moment, just think about like, holy shit, you've got like cybernetic Batman and like the the magician supreme fighting it out. And on one hand, you also have like TV successful Sherlock Holmes with films less full success Sherlock Holmes and like the, uh, the battle the, of the goatees. The restraint to never make a Sherlock joke. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I guess I kind of wonder about the filming because I know like they had a stand in for Cumberbatch for most of the movie and then they kind of came back and did the close-ups on him. So I kind of wonder if that hampered certain things, but I was just like, holy shit, these two guys are really having this talk. Yeah. There's some dodgy uh, compositing in a few spots, but yeah, Yeah. you can definitely tell this is filmed mostly on sound stages Mm -hmm. Um, and in front of green screens. I should say my number three is when the, I don't know, this is like the, I don't know if we call this the A team or the B team or what, when it's they're on Titan and they're fighting Thanos with, you know, some of the guardians and Spider-Man, Dr. Strange and Iron Man. Um, it just, the way they melded all their various powers together and the way that fight went down is just very cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Peter Quill, you know, star Lord, like jumping on these like platforms that strange creates for him. Spider-Man like teleporting through strangest portals when Dr. Strange does this weird, like, you know, multiple, clones of himself thing like uh-huh. all the all the different ways that they fought there to try to keep him from being able to close his hand or close this gauntlet uh very very excellent fighting scene i, I feel like that's one thing that the russo brothers seem to excel at is putting a bunch of superheroes on screen and having them fight and it be interesting and not just like a bunch of punches i i enjoyed that sequence more than a lot of the wakanda stuff like the wakanda stuff for me was all about like the build-up to the fight and then once once people started being going, I, I I thought this worked a lot better. Oh, the even the even the because... movie didn't seem super interested in the Wakandan fight. Like it was, I feel like they they could have gone longer, like like in the style of the first two Avengers movies with all those like random aliens they're fighting. But it's like the movie wasn't mm-hmm. that interested. Yeah, I mean, you never even really get to see the, those aliens up close at all. Yeah, they're just fodder, basically. Yeah. All right, is that what are we at? Number two now. Number two. Uh, so I have a tie. They're both short. They're both Steve Rogers related. Uh, one is just Cap walking out of the shadows, you know, uh, in the, joining the fight, joining the movie. Um, I was like, "Fuck yeah, finally, Steve Rogers!" 
the other is kind of dumb, but it, it's it's really the shot and the feel of of Cap in the jungles of Wakanda there from the trailer with his like two hands trying to hold back Thanos's one hand and the struggle for humanity to not be crushed. Mm-hmm. I just believed in it, and I just it made me realize like there's some very short, sweet Cap moments, but not a ton throughout this movie. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell that there's like 40 characters in this movie because, uh, except for a few, most of the characters just they they get a moment or two and that's it. Mm. Uh, my number two was the um, you know, the rapture, basically the snapping there, uh, just mm-hmm. various characters fading into nothing. Um, obviously, the big ones were Black Panther and Spider Man, but uh, even the ones like where Falcon disappears and like. Rhodey doesn't even see him. Um, Groot disappearing. Like, I don't know. All that was just, man, nice to the gut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the ending, too. The uh, the post-credits. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mother- <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number one moment is, is the very end. Just Thanos walking over, having a seat, and enjoying the sunrise. I was just like, holy shit, they did it. <laughs> All right. My number one is Gamora's monologue to Thanos before he kills her. Just the it's such a a cruel realization. She's like laughing like, ha ha, like you you finally lost. Like, you know, you're finally going to get what's due to you because, you know, you can't claim the, the soul stone because you don't love anyone. And then like to realize mm-hmm. that he does, that he actually does love her is kind of like horrifying for her. It's the last yeah. thing she would want to hear. Um, yeah. And then he just fucking tosses her off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got a question. What is that noise on your side? Is that like what a noise? fan or something? It's like a hum. Oh, the air conditioner outside? Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyhow, did you have any complaints? No, I mean, there's always, you know, you want more. You want more attention for certain characters. But I know, again, it's it's part one of two Um I'm sure like, you know, you want like Tony and cap to have a talk, but I feel like that's all part two. So not really. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, like I said, I thought the CGI compositing was a little dodgy in parts. When they get to Titan, there's some shots where it's like, yeah, you guys are definitely on a green screen and maybe not even together right now. You know, it's like, it's like you might've filmed like RJD separately from everyone else for this. I would love to hear. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, you just keep pausing the text mm-hmm. while we're podcasting. Um, I would love to hear some uh, some stories about how feuding and stuff, and how he couldn't share screen time with certain people. I don't think it was that. Or anything. Um, I, I just get the feeling that they've got like a studio down there in Georgia, and it's just like, come down when you can. We'll shoot your scenes. Doesn't even matter if anyone else is here. You know? Yeah, uh, it won't look like Arrested Development season four. We promise. One one more, not even totally a complaint, but it just it felt like a lot of our main like non Tony Avengers just didn't get a whole lot to do. It's understandable, but it's like man, like we, a conversation between Natasha and Bruce, or like Steve and Bucky, or maybe like uh, Rhodey and Falcon, like Rocket talking to more of them. It's just there just wasn't time, you know. Like it's it's already like two and a half hours long, or even longer than that. So understand it, but. It's this could easily have been 
at least another well i i shouldn't say it would be another hour that'd be ridiculous but like if this was a tv show you would see it lasting more episodes let's put it that way you know yeah i mean i some of the characterization the bruce stuff uh i don't know i his like constant like 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 back and forth with the hulk to not show up um he seems he seemed a little manic at times to me and I, I found Peter Quill to be insufferable in places in this movie. Hmm. Okay. And any times in particular? Uh, the the pissing contest with Thor, uh, just in general, I feel like there's a there's a fine balance for me with Peter Quill, and he just danced too far into annoying me throughout this movie. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, like they're so close, you know. I mean, maybe I'm just feeling the story, but they're so close to getting that gauntlet off Thanos' hand at one point. And this this whiny little bitch is just like having a wah moment. And I still don't totally feel the romance between Peter Quill and Gamora because it feels like even from the two Guardians movies, the Gamora character is always meant to be this tug of war between being his love interest and having a connection to the Thanos storyline. And so, like, I'm struggling to remember the ending of Guardians 2 if they actually got together. And so they started, like, kissing in this, and she's like, oh, I love you. And I'm like, oh, I guess they did. Um, yeah. Hmm. Sounds like you're not a Gamora fan. I am a Gamora fan. I, I, I liked her character. I thought her storyline was very interesting. Uh, you know, and she saddled with, like, Peter Quill the whole time. I mean, like, knowing that she's going into the situation and, like, trying to stress to him that it's massively important that she does not like let this information fall to Thanos. I found so tragic. And like you said, the scene where <laughs> she thinks she's won, she thinks that the universe will be saved because this fucker doesn't love anything. And of all people, the uh, um, Red Skull is just like, he's not weeping for himself. And not for him. Yeah. yeah. That was a great moment. All right. Well, shall we move into our general discussion? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, R.I.P. Heimdall. Right at the start. That was there. quick. Yeah. Well, he gets the uh, he gets the like I'm going to send this into motion. Death at least. Yeah, you know, let me use my dark magic one last time to send not Thor away, but Hulk. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then R.I.P. Loki right after that. Did you feel like this movie was too violent? I know I've seen some criticism of that. Uh. No, I mean, I, I guess I knew what, what to expect. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's called Infinity War. Knowing what to expect is one thing, but I'm saying, like, do you think for a comic book movie this was too violent? I don't know. I don't have kids. I, I could, I could definitely see that argument where, like, maybe this isn't for my my children, but I wouldn't be surprised that this threat. movie's box office had a similar trajectory to The Last Jedi, where like it starts off massive, but then like diminishes quicker because like will, you know, a big part of the audience for both those Star Wars and Marvel movies is like kids. Will kids want to see this movie over and over. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not like the, at a, a certain age of kid. I don't know what they're going to think of this movie. Like everyone dies at the end. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a totally up ending. Also, uh, that was interesting. They're, they're like, we got the uh, the Power Stone from Xandar last week. 
Yeah, off screen went and uh, presumably killed half of Xandar. Well, the 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 complicated nature of like nineteen movies and all the post credit scenes and everything is, I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh shit, was that like in one of the post credit scenes that I totally forgot about? No. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we could assume that was happening at the same time as Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, when the ship shows up at the end. Yeah. Well, no, I mean that this is basically directly after Thor Ragnarok, but no, like while the events right, of right, Thor right. Ragnarok were happening, Xandar is being destroyed. Quite possibly, it was Odin's death that uh, sprung Thanos into action. Like you know, once Odin's dead, it's time to go. Well, that and you know, I could see the argument in their their production of all this is that do we really care about bringing back like John C. Riley and Glenn Close for sequences? Or no other character, like no other major characters would appear. I just, uh, I, I don't think you need to like see it. Like you can create a Nova character right away. Yeah, you can just say he decimated Xandar and he's, he's got a pretty big ship. He looks pretty powerful. It's like, yeah, we can see how he'd do that. You know? He's got his crew. Yeah, the Black, is it the Black Order? Is that what they're called? I believe so. What did you think of them? Uh, the one that I really what stood out to me partially because of his power, but also his very interesting voice was probably Ebony Ma, the the guy who sounds like Roddy McDowell. Um, I didn't love like the look. I didn't feel like it was massive distinctive of a lot of the other characters. Um, I like instantly hated Ebony Ma just from that voice. It's such a sniveling, like simpering voice. And it's all like, be honored to be killed. Like, I, I, I hated him, but in a good way, you know, well, I, I feel like you could have, you know, in a movie where you had more time, you could have done more of him, like really relishing being essentially like like the high priest of like Thanosness. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to love Proxima Midnight, but I, I, I didn't. There wasn't a whole lot there. Yeah, Carrie Coon getting a paycheck. Uh, it was yeah, a nice I way didn't to give a shit about the big guy. Oh yeah, didn't care about those guys. But I mean, they're just they're mini bosses to fight basically uh it's a nice way to establish thanos he kills two characters including a pretty major one in loki and then he just beats the shit out of the hulk like him taking the hulk out like that was like okay like this guy's serious you know like he just put work in on hulk there and basically made hulk like scared to come out for the rest of the movie when they're good about bringing back some of the stuff with that from the end of the first Avengers, you know, Loki gets to say his, his Tony Stark line of we have a Hulk. And I'm sure it, it felt great for Loki to finally be the one to evoke this character. Who's like, you know, his fear point for so long. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, yeah, it just shows how powerful Thanos is. Uh, I kind of wonder what life was like growing up as like the children of Thanos. Is there like a whole Royal Tenenbaum side story of that crazy I mean, we hear a little bit about Pretty it bunch. in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. When it was just like he made his two daughters fight each other, uh, which is yep. why Nebula is like basically a robot at this point. Yeah, every time, what was it every time Gamora beat her, some part of Nebula got re- replaced? Mm-hmm. To make her better, yeah. I mean, she and really you, looked you like see that pretty kinda... much all robot when we see her later. Yeah, you see her disassembled. Mm-hmm. Like, is there any is there any flesh left at that point? Is it just like a brain? I don't even know. I assumed it was uh, part of her face from the Guardians movies, but even that, I think, gets called into question. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, didn't she like join the Ravagers at the end of the second one? 
I think she goes off on her own. It's okay. Yeah, I've only watched that twice. So I, there's like five post credit scenes, but I, I think she goes off on her own. Could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. I think she's like just going to murder Thanos. I think it was how they left it with her. Well, that didn't go so great. Not exactly, no. Then we go to Earth. What the fuck tracksuit is Tony wearing? It's like the most bizarre outfit. Well, his his pants will always look funny because of the platform shoes and them trying to hide it. But yeah, like that's a hideous fucking outfit. That's such a bizarre outfit. It's like I would be embarrassed about camo hoodie. Yeah, I mean he's Tony Stark, so he can do what he wants. He's got his new like nano armor thing. Um, yeah, I presume the second one, um, if if uh, Tony Stark lives to the end of it, will end with his wedding. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. There are some people out there. I, I listen to a different podcast where they're basically like, there better be some serious deaths in the second part, or like it's going to invalidate what happens at the end of this movie, and it won't be good. It's like Tony Stark has to die, pretty much, is their opinion, which I don't agree with. I think there's plenty of ways he could no, resolve that's the story. Yeah, um, no. like if if the if the story wraps up and it's like Tony retires to raise a family with Pepper, that's I'm fine mm. with that. Like I don't know, it's like those people who like they're really mad that Captain America didn't die in Civil War, you know, because they're just mm. like there need to be stakes. It's like you can you can do a movie without just like mur- killing off a bunch of people. Like it, you know, the, all the the death at the end of this movie, it's okay that it's not permanent. You know, it's it's yeah the characters reacting well I, uh, if you're a writer trying to figure out like what's the conclusion line for these characters i would think that in this situation captain america's death would make more sense or i could see steve rogers putting him in a position putting himself in a position where that's the choice he makes or it leads to that i, I kind of like the tony stark where he's not you know, A or B, he's like some some third option. It's usually his thing. You know, I'm not the guy who lays down on the wire. I'm the guy who cuts the wire. So, yeah, I'd much rather see him, I don't know, off retired on Earth somewhere. And we don't need to hear from Tony, but he's yeah. out there. I don't know. I feel like there's a, a small but salty segment of the Internet that like they really want you to know that the uh, the deaths at the end didn't affect them because they're they're too smart and they know who, how movie franchises work. You know, it's like, congratulations on being boring and missing the point. Like, it's not about the metatextual mathematics. It's about the moment. Like, Tony Stark doesn't know there's another Spider-Man movie coming out next year. You know, like, Okoye doesn't (laughs) know that Black Panther was the biggest comic book movie of all time. Um, And most importantly, I think, like, most of the audience doesn't know about that whole meta discussion. Like, the live reaction to this was, like, spine-tingling. To behold, like mm-hmm. the gasps in the theater when Black Panther fades away, people are like, "Oh shit!" Um, I don't know. That's like I think if you're even slightly planning to go see this movie, and for some reason you're listening to this right now, like go see it with a good audience. It's something to experience for sure. Just to to see how the audience reacts. Like, who cares if they stay dead? It's like it matters in the moment. Oh, and also feel feel what you feel. Don't yeah necessarily fully care what the rest of the audience feels, but. uh Oh, I had a point there and I lost it. Um, also, so you brought up Okoye. I don't see Wakabi in this movie. Do you think she's single now? Um, I don't know. Off on a mission. Okay. I feel like he really let her down at the end of Black Panther. 
And I was like, I wonder if that relationship's over. Mm, I don't know. I feel like it's uh, it's one of those like good long distance type of things. You know, they meet up occasionally. Maybe, maybe. She's like, maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. But until then, get out. Um. So, do you want to do this like? straightforward as much as we can do you want to do it like following like the big three and like thanos or do you want to do it like stone by stone uh just go with your your feeling i mean i have lots of various little notes about different things like we were talking about tony there's tracksuit i like the detail and it's it's one of those things that like they really don't go out of their way to explain it to you they're just like relying on the audience who've been invested and like paying attention like when Tony, when when Hulk shows up and he's just like, you know, Tony, it's Thanos is coming. You, you like, and you got to call Steve. And like Tony's hesitating and whatnot. And then he like he pulls the flip phone out of his pocket. Like you, you have to kind of infer that like Tony's out jogging in in New York. He still takes the phone with him. He must take that phone everywhere with him. Yeah, you know, it's the point is, and it's a detail. You're right. I totally in the movie. I forgot, and afterwards I thought about it. That's not like his main phone. I feel like. No, that that's, is special that's the one that Steve, Steve gave him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. he's been carrying it around for seemingly two years, like at all times he has that phone with him. Um, which is a nice, very subtle callback to Civil War. And and then it shows that yes, there is still there's still some hurt and some anger and some feelings between those two. And they don't they never resolve it in this movie. Presumably they'll have to eventually. I really wonder if I've heard like rumors that the next movie there's like a time jump, but I kind of feel like you'd be missing out like if if it's like five years later like you're missing out on like how did steve and tony meet again for the first time you know well and i know this is a dumb question but i just like is i presume ant-man and the wasp it's just like in a world where half the people have disappeared no it takes place before infinity war oh does it okay Mm mm-hmm um because i was like that's that's i've already read a lot of people being like there should be a post-credit scene in ant-man and the wasp where like they both disappear it's like that's fucked up that's fucking yeah. dark yeah because i was thinking like like one of my i guess i'm a minor complaint that's not super crucial is you have so many big characters to follow and you're you're with the wakanda fight for a while you never really get the sense other than through like uh general ross like how is the rest of the world perceiving this? And so I started to think, well, like it would be interesting if you had the movie where somewhere in the backdrop of Ant-Man and the Wasp, what is this world where half the people disappeared like, but then you're going to lose it if you do a third one and, and everyone's back to normal or, or some aspect of that. Um. <laughs> yeah, I have some, maybe, thank, maybe thank you for only texting when I'm talking. Yeah. Maybe that'll be my make one change. Uh, about like could they have added a little more to the you know the rapture there a large bell that i can ring a bell yeah only when you're talking nothing nothing Mm. crazy you're salty tonight look who's talking i'm salty yeah okay for a while i'm like i'm like do you mind that thing's very loud it's distracting i I use the quiet keyboard i don't know what you're complaining about talking about your large texting thing my large texting thing? The zoop! Every time you send a text that like blasts in my earphones. You can hear that? Yes, I can hear that. Oh, weird, because I can't hear that. That's bizarre. Okay. That, that's what you're talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. I thought I you were talking about, about my keyboard. Typing. Yeah. No, that's our third host. Okay. <laughs> I love clicking Fascinating. Hmm. 
all right. I was like, man, he hates my keyboard all of a sudden. What the fuck? No, I was just like, thank you for texting very loudly every no, time. Because people, people just got out of Infinity War and they really want to talk to me about it. And I'm like, sorry, I'm podcasting right now. There you go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, folks. That's uh, fascinating that you can hear that, though. That's a weird audio thing. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I did have a drink in front of me. I could take a shot every time you send a text. <laughs> I would be wrecked. Yeah. Like this movie wrecked audiences. Can you hear incoming um, texts as well? I don't think so. Okay. Well, let's hope not. Hopefully people will stop texting me. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, Sam, I'm very uh, popular with my two friends. Uh, where were we at? Um, talking about the people of the earth. People, people. Earth. Yeah. yeah. The rapture. I like there is a nice <laughs> bit where Dr. Strange, he does some sort of like spell. I don't know exactly what he's doing, like pushing the debris away or whatever. And like it kind of like clears out the area a little bit. And then he gives Tony a little wink. It's very subtle, but he winks and smiles at, at Tony after he does it. Like the, those two, their interaction is fun because they're so like each other. And the movie didn't mm-hmm. really shy away from them, like immediately kind of like, like dick measuring with each other as soon as they met, you know? When I, I enjoyed the clash of personalities right there at the beginning, but also like just, it's a reminder of how different, how they've stretched the tones and the types of heroes and things they're doing here. Cause you have the Tony Stark, who's like the science guy who now has like with the, the nano tech, I feel like that's almost, it might as well be magic. Yeah. Really. But then you not only have like Benedict Cumberbatch doing his magic stuff, but it's like almost like, martial arts base where he has to like do like this whole like flying crane pose to like create like a light shield that will then fling over did, here did you notice and he it's was, like oh yeah i forgot about how big that is his thing did you notice he was doing a lot of like when he like is like about to go into action he kind of like bumps his wrist together like a, a time yeah. or two like i didn't that wasn't in dr strange but apparently he's added to his repertoire there there's one shot um, where he's doing something, and it's a, it's a close up, and you can see a little bit of his hand. And I can't remember if it's like when he's being attacked or not. And it's like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about like the fucking scars down the back of all of his fingers. Oh yeah, you can actually you see his hand shaking a few times. Like they actually let that detail in, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but I think it was very smart to like put Tony and Doctor Strange together, um, right at the beginning, and, and kind of like level how big this threat is. And it kind of makes me wonder how much do you reverse engineer from one of these big rocks dropped in the pond to like go and like, let's do something with Dr. Strange in Thor, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some, some shit with the Peter Parker introduction. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, I love that. The Ned and his little moment there, we're all going to die. Yeah. But just starting on just the close up of the hairs on his arm standing up, I thought was, like it was one of those those missing elements of Spider-Man that I don't know if they've ever really captured, like the Spidey sense, the Spidey sense. in other Spider-Man movies. Yeah, well, it was definitely present later in the movie. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I I thought for sure Wong was going to bite it in this opening fight. I was like, oh, they're going <laughs> to kill Wong off. Like I, I feel like I I must have like scrolled through something where like somebody's like posting fake spoilers, you know, and like I'd seen that mm-hmm. like Wong died or something, and I was like, I'm sure he's going to die, and then he's nope, he's fine. Wong just kind of pieces out. He's like, all right, I'm going to go hang out in the Sanctum Santorum because the time gem is gone. Yeah, he's just like... Never got that tuna melt. 
No, he didn't. He doesn't have any money, too. It's like, you would have thought that conversation would have come up. They're not like new roommates. I don't know. Can you like magic some money or something? Was Is that unethical? Can you, can you just magic food? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. Like, I feel like you have to. The matter has to come from somewhere, I guess, you know, but mm-hmm. could you could you glamour like a dollar bill? that's going to like disappear later, you know? Hmm. Well, I mean, you got the time jam. Let's let's see some lotto numbers from tomorrow. Ooh, I feel like that's a very disrespectful way to use the time jam. I would definitely do that. Yeah. Dormammu, I came to bargain. Dormammu, I came with some numbers. Feeling lucky. Uh, <laughs> I definitely want the Cavs and the over of putting it all in. <laughs> It's just them at the dog tracks. <laughs> <laughs> All in on tripod. <laughs> what did you think of the title cards in this? I liked it. I thought it was true to the previous usages of title cards in Avengers movies. Hmm, I don't know. I, there's something about the font. It just, I felt like they like made some placeholders in Times New Roman and then just never upgraded them. Like I, I wanted something oh, a little oh. bit more. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, uh, not not the, the title uh, card, but the the various like uh, date lines or whatever. Yeah, the font, the font was like not ideal. I mean, I get it for like the 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 one is meant to be a joke, like it's like space. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wasn't crazy about. I mean, is it Times New Roman <laughs> essentially? It's, I mean, it's some boring serif font. Like I did like at the very end of the movie when it shows Avengers: Infinity War, that title kind of like disintegrates away. It would have been interesting mm-hmm. if they were doing that through the whole movie and like he didn't find out why till the end of the movie and why that was the style they were using. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did like the space. What did you think of the Iron Spider suit? I thought it was neat, but I'm like, I, I need the regular Spider-Man suit in the next Spider-Man movie. Like, I don't I don't need all this weird technology. I. I like the look of that outfit, but yeah, I aspects of it just didn't work for me or I don't know. I mean, I was more about the physical. I'm always more about the physicality of Spider-Man than some of the costumes. Uh, and I just, I kept thinking like, I get that they're going to do like the, the iron spider arms, but man, honestly, where are they coming from? <laughs> That's a lot of matter to reparticulate from your suit. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the same as Tony stack tech. Um, I just, I, I don't want Spider-Man to be a suit. Like his Spider-Man is his powers, not like, a special suit that like does all this cool stuff, you know, like I, I prefer a Spider-Man who's using his spidey sense, using his webbing, sticking to walls, that sort of thing, you know, has super strength rather than just like, though, this suit is going to do everything for me. Yeah. And honestly, like the, I mean, obviously Spider-Man's had like, I don't know, 45 like variant costumes over the years, but the Iron Spider outfit was really more not just a stylistic point, but like a plot point in Civil War, which really doesn't matter now. I mean, it makes sense that he's going into space, so he needs a little upgrade. Like, that's fine. But like, I I would hope that in the next Spider-Man movie, it's back to the regular suit because that suit just looks iconic. It's classic. Yeah. Not that like I said, not that I dislike the general look of this outfit. Um, it's just it's always a weird place when it's definitely a cgi costume mm-hmm. there's something about just putting an actor in it oh the other one like, it's is why, CG too. 
Yeah, yeah, but still, there's there's something about like putting uh, Chris Evans in like the the dingy beat up version of the Captain America costume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I like the callback to Avengers One when Pepper's calling Tony when he's on mm-hmm. the uh, spaceship there, and eventually cuts out. I saw some people are mad. They're like, "What the fuck, Pepper? He's busy." It's like, okay, like I think she's allowed to like care about her fiance a little, you know? Yeah, seriously. I mean, that is the most natural reaction. I see that spaceship leaving. Please tell me you're not on it. Yeah. Uh, People are horrible. Also, I would think in all the years since with their breakup and they're getting back together and they're getting engaged, at some point he has to have told her like how it crushed him that he tried to call her when he's like flying. You think he would have mentioned it? I would think so. Hmm. I mean, I guess. It, I mean, if he's, I guess if, he's if coming, it's about him, you'd mention it. Maybe, maybe. Um, but I mean, I like, like you mentioned, Bruce just has to show up and say Thanos, because you know we're rewatching Age of Ultron last week, mm-hmm. and I completely forgot about the fucking how much they go into the Infinity Stones there. So it's like, yeah, like like Tony's just like, yeah, this dude's been in my head for six years. Like I've been fucking freaking out about this night and day. So on the the linking of uh, Loki in, in the first movie, like Thanos sent him, you know that that yeah. helps to connect those dots and make it feel like this has all been building to this. Yeah. Although I'm still a little devious as to how exactly that all went down. Like who had the Mind Stone and why did they give Loki the staff and that sort of thing? But sure. I mean, I guess the Chitauri or the Chitauri and like Ronan the Accuser, I guess, are just like Thanos henchmen. Yeah. Because like Drax in this movie is like suddenly it's not Ronan who killed his family. It's Thanos. You know, is he just saying that Thanos ordered Ronan to kill my family? Yeah. So, I mean, presumably it says I get is that Thanos doesn't feel like he can be directly involved in some of these things. Like like you said, maybe because it's an Odin situation. But he can send out agents, and it's basically what was the thing of Ronan? Like, you're gonna get what you want. All I want in return is like this little thing. Yeah, he Ronan wanted to kill uh, all the Zandarians, and like you know, Thanos like sent him after the Power Stone for it or something like that. Yeah, it yeah. was like, hey, Ronan, you get me the Power Stone, and I'll kill. I'll help you kill the Zandarians. Yeah, really not looking forward to Ronan's return in Captain Marvel. Oh, that's right. He is coming back, isn't he? Yeah, because he's Cree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess. Are you aware that there's a in the comics there that Hawkeye becomes a character called Ronin? Mm-hmm. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Ro- Ronin, not Ronin. Ronin. Yeah, because I was seeing people. I I was like reading fast, and people are like, "Oh, Hawkeye's family is going to all die, and then he becomes Ronin." And I was like, "Wait, is that a crazy fan theory that like?" that's how Ronan the accuser becomes Ronan the accuser. It's just oh, oh, oh. like, I was like, no, that's nuts. Um, I have seen on the internet where people like they, they have all like the character posters for this movie mm-hmm. and people have done up like the, the Ronin uh, poster. It's just like, Oh shit. Hawkeye's going to be badass. And there's like a, a not too quiet, like very vocal Hawkeye contingent of fandom out there. I, 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 I think they're all, what do they call those people? Subs. <laughs> okay i think that's who they are <laughs> i kind of wanted thor to mention like he's he's you know saying like my my father died my brother is murdered my best friend was stabbed through the heart 
I kind of wanted uh and my girlfriend dump me in there as well. You know, like mention Jane yeah. Foster. I was really for well, I the Thor stuff. He's kind of a little bit jokey in his first stuff with um, the Guardians, and then I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, like just in the little bits where I have like stray thoughts in the movie, I'm like, man, like, I don't really get if half his people died on that ship or if they all died, like, but he's just sat through like one genocide to another genocide to all of these tragedies. I'm like, Thor's doing pretty well, and then finally they kind of like broke him down a little bit. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, it's pretty it's manic. Like, with with this movie and with Ragnarok, it's like I finally get the Thor character and all the different facets of how you can use him. Yeah, he was of the big three. I think he was the uh, the MVP there. Yeah. Um, I think they say like it's kind of uh, you have to pay pay close attention like between people laughing at the Guardian stuff or you'll miss it. But he says that like half the S Guardians were killed. So I, I guess. He, he- he does say that, but it seems pretty fucking serious when we leave the bridge of their ship. Well, presumably maybe there's like another ship or I don't know, escape pods or something. Presumably that's where like Korg and Valkyrie are. And the other half of the Asgardians is they all just left. Mm. And like Thor stayed behind with Loki and Heimdall to fight. But that's my uh, headcanon there. Yeah. That's and good hopefully headcanon. Stiff is still out there somewhere. Sif. Sif. Yeah. Did I say Stiff? Sorry. Yeah. Some people have a real blind spot for that character. Yeah. Um, Thor's Thor's very interesting in this movie. I mean, I like I like him paired up with Rocket. I thought that was fun. I felt like the Groot joke didn't work for me as much as it could have in this one. What? Just like the I am Groot, Groot thing? Oh, yeah. Teenage yeah, Groot is like whatever. Teenage Groot in general. Yeah. I mean, Groot doesn't do much in this movie, but... That's fine. I feel like it's almost like they're just paying their dues so they can get back to the regular Groot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Dinklage's role is very interesting. <laughs> He's a dwarf who dwarfs Thor. Yeah. He's basically just doing <laughs> Tyrion, too. He's like doing the yeah. same same accent. Well, because they make a comment about him being a dwarf, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's Dinklage. And then you see him. I'm just like, oh, wow. <laughs> that, that was, there were some very sly, like, chuckles in my audience for that. Yeah, I like the little pep talk that Rocket gives to Thor there before he gives him the eye. Um, mm. And man, there's the part where. Thor is just like, well, if I lose, you know, or if I fail, I have nothing left to lose. And Rocket says, I have a lot to lose. And then he loses everything over the course of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. That's why I, I feel like you can't, you're missing out on so much if you like time jump past the, the aftermath, you know? I just, I forgot and I, I appreciate Rocket's obsession with stealing prosthetics. <laughs> Might want to wash that eye. <laughs> Get an infection that way. Uh, <laughs> um. Right, so you got you got Iron Man. You got uh, Strange and Peter Parker are on the donut with uh, Ebony Maw, and they continue the joke from uh, is it Civil War? Of like, hey, have you got that really old movie? Yeah. That really old movie. Um, which. I mean, I do like the visual of like all the spikes 
at Doctor Strange's face. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason that's in the trailer. It 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 works. Um, I just wish that they they could have. I mean, I feel like you needed less of the Black Order if you're going to do really do like an Ebony Maw character. Hmm. I mean, I had no knowledge of him at all. I just saw him in this, and I thought he was effectively menacing and like hateful or hateable. Yeah. Um, allow me to change subjects to another aspect of this movie. Elizabeth Olsen with that red hair. Uh, Super Babe Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic. Love that red hair. I feel like this is the Jean Grey we've always wanted. It's mm-hmm. pretty much. They're just like, like we don't actually have Jean Grey, but we might as well because we we've done like the full red hair for Scarlet Witch. And like, I, I love the way that her power is like red. That was one thing that drove me nuts about the X-Men movies is like, we only saw Jean, like Jean's powers like appear visually like one time at the end of X2. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel knows what they're doing. What do they do with her in um, apocalypse? Ah, God, I can't remember. I mean, she does some Phoenix stuff a little bit, but it's like, it's too little too late for me. Okay. I mean, for sure. I'm trying to remember if she actually does the full Phoenix, um, the bird or not. She definitely doesn't do that in X-Men 3, which is insane. Uh, mm. I can't remember if she ever actually, that they do that effect or not in Apocalypse. Mm. Or if it was just like glowing energy. Or whatever. I feel like, you know, definitely for sure, they get how how much they've got of Elizabeth Olsen and, and the character um because like part two of, of my my enjoying that scene of her and scarlet witch and okoye is just when she bursts out to go jump on the battlefield i love that you get the little detail where the the bad guys are just like finally she's out like <laughs> tack um because she is super powerful and, oh, no. and why has she been up there this whole time yeah seriously <laughs> i mean i i enjoyed the stuff with her and and vision i i okay. kind of appreciate the their ro- their romance works for me really well. A more convincing movie. romance than uh, yeah. other Avengers romances, shall we say? Yeah, I mean that that would be something that you know I wish I thought of before. We could actually rank the romantic pairings and how they're you know used in this movie. But yeah, just the idea of like it, it's it's the better version of the question posed by Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron of like we could just stay here or we could run. We don't have to go back. Well, it, it makes more sense somehow between those two because mm-hmm. they're not they're not as deep into the game, I guess you would say. You know, like Black Widow, like she's like a lifelong like super spy assassin. Like the idea of her just running off with Bruce seems weird, you know. But yeah. like Scarlet Witch is, you know, she's still really young and she's been sneaking off like this with vision. He's very young too. You know, like it makes more sense that they would just want to get away from everything, especially because they, you know, they don't know that Thanos has shown up yet. Mm-hmm. Well, in vision, it's not just like the, the lack of makeup and the fitting in as a human, like he really has progressed into being Paul Bettany. Like there's mm-hmm. like a little moment where he's just like, listen, the last two years, I'm just going to say it. I think it's really worked. <laughs> it's me sounding like Woody Allen, but I'm trying to do Hugh, I'm trying to do uh, Hugh Grant. Sorry, but uh, like I just love that he's just like this fumbling British guy and like a uh, uh, what's his name, the guy who did um, Love Actually kind of movie, Richard mm. Curtis movie. Yeah, Elizabeth and, Olsen will do that to you. Kind of yeah, she's she isn't 
just utter super vape in this movie. The red hair, and she's definitely the heavy hitter. The red hair with the red powers, it just looks cool. Yeah, Yeah. and she, you really see that like she's, she's probably on like a Doctor Strange level. Like I saw someone who's like, oh, like Scarlet Witch should be in the next Doctor Strange movie. It's like, ooh, that would be interesting. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, Mm -hmm. even for a cameo or something. Yeah. Um, and then you get you get Steve Rogers and his Secret Avengers returning. Big swell of music, yeah. I I miss the shield. Oh yeah, I definitely miss the shield. His his weird gauntlet things he gets later. It's like yeah, it's not the same thing. I mean, they seem to kind of disappear for a second when he has that encounter with Thanos, and then they're back after he's been punched in the face by him. I think they like retract or something. I don't know. They're they're odd, but yeah. He's. I'm pretty sure he gets a shield the next movie, and he kind of has to, right? Yeah. Well, even if it's, I know in the comics they've done things before where like they have to give him the, um, like it has no pain on it at all. Like that's how withdrawn he is from the American mm-hmm. thing. But it's like he just, you just need the shield. And the Russos were great with with the usage of the shield in the previous two movies. Yeah, they they had fun with that, even if it defied the laws of physics. Um, yeah. It was cool seeing him catch the spear, though, and then Widow and Falcon show up and they beat the shit out of uh, the Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight there. I, I do like how the Black Order, they kind of uh, put one over on the Avengers there by like pretending that Corvus Glaive died. Right. Of, like their little secret plan later on. Like punished off screen. Mm-hmm. Black Widow's got some like crazy like electron electro batons or something that turns into a staff later on. Yeah, she's basically got like some kind of like Daredevil esque weapon. It seems like. Well, and her vest is green, but it's so muted that you can barely even tell. I'm I'm very curious. Like, what's the design interest there? Was like I, the hair? I, I don't have a problem with. Um, I wonder: Are they trying to suggest that she's older, or is it like a stylistic thing? You know. Yeah. Um, with the Black Order, I just you know I I think about like the the behind the scenes shit from like the the prequels of Star Wars and other things like how much care they put into designing like even the most tertiary characters <laughs> you know like there's a reason why we still talk about like fucking Darth Maul and, and Boa Fett and why they've lived on in the EU and it's not just about their portrayal in the movie it's about their fucking crazy look and I feel like Black Order didn't have that at all I think you could almost get away with like okay Ebony Maw he kind of I know what he looks like and I know there's like the big guy but then the other two just seem way too similar. And it's like they just have some sort of like long staff spear type thing. There's there's an opportunity to make them look more unique. Yeah. And then, of course, we go back to Avengers headquarters. <laughs> they worked in Thunderbolt Ross for like one scene just so you can get told off. Although I feel like I, I, I like Rhodey, he needed to. Uh, I don't know, like a, a parting shot or something. He just like turned the call off basically with, uh, with Ross there. I feel like he could have gotten in a jab. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciated the idea of the scene where captain, I want to captain America to be like, then fucking come arrest me. Then I'll be the guy out there like fighting aliens mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know if you noticed, um, in, cause when he's talking to Ross, the Ross hologram, like over his shoulders to the right is Scarlet witch there. And she has kind of a funny look on her face through the whole scene. It it kind of looks like she's looking at Cap the whole time, like, ooh, like, or something like that. 
It's mm-hmm. like in the back and it's kind of blurry, so you can't really see her. But uh, that was what my eye was drawn to in that scene. Well, so let's talk about. Let me throw out the, the little details that I heard, and we'll see if we can place them. Mm-hmm. So presumably, for the past two years, it's been Cap, uh, Black Widow, Falcon. Um, they've been off like Scarlet their- Witch. And Scarlet Witch. Okay. In mm-hmm. Vision. Tony Stark makes a mention about how Vision had turned off his like tracking thing. Presumably Vision's been with the Avengers, but like, I don't know him and him and Scarlet Witch have been like secretly hooking up on shore leave for a while now. And then most recently, like Vision, like left for good. It sounds like. Okay. So, so presumably like the secret that no one talked about was that whenever Vision's like, Hey boss, can I get a couple of days off? It's cause, uh, cause he's going cause to his girl has some days off too. Yeah. Which yeah. I, is interesting line when uh, when they get back on the Quinjet there, Black Widow, she kind of like dresses down Scarlet Witch a little. I mean, she's like her protege, Scarlet Witch is, you know, she's just like, you know, like, we told you, you know, like you needed to check in or something like that. Yeah. They're just enjoying Scotland, enjoying some Edinburgh. Yeah, I <laughs> I just wonder like if like that um stone ever like pops out of his like disguise and he doesn't realize it. But that I, thing is I guess he's mastered it. I mean, they definitely they depower him almost immediately. Like he gets like surprise attacked and that blade like, you know, makes it so he can't phase anymore. It's basically like otherwise he'd be a little bit too powerful for the rest of the movie, so they need to like deep, you know, like uh nerve him pretty quickly so that uh, it works for the rest of the plot which is interesting and they kind of depower scarlet witch just by having her you know be by his side you know as we see until she jumps on the battlefield but i guess him the technology the general technology the vision would be the one thing that fantasies people know because they actually had the fucking staff yeah that's uh, true mm-hmm. i mean it's we haven't really talked about it, but what did you think of some of the deeper themes in this movie about sacrifice and like, are you willing to trade, you know, that which you love most? Cause that, that comes up a lot, you know, Loki and Thor at the beginning, Scarlet, Witch and vision, obviously uh, Thanos and Gamora, Gamora and Peter Quill, strange, more Nebula. Stark, Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. It's like most people are, I don't know. I don't know if you call it failing or succeeding, but most people aren't willing to make that trade. The ones that are, or seemingly are Thanos. Um, I mean, Peter Quill eventually tries to kill Gamora. So he appreciates that Wanda eventually kills vision. So he appreciates that. Like you can see, like he, it's like, he's impressed when the, someone else is willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the trading of lives. Um, I thought it's interesting. I mean, this is this is one of the classic things that you would build a story around. You know, I mean, the dark side of this is the girl in the refrigerator thing. But yeah, having your loved one's life on the line and what will you do and who are you under that pressure, I, I thought was interesting. I think the thing is the willing to give it all up so that your your heart can survive. I think that's what makes us human. That's That's a certain kind of humanity that I guess I took from like things like like Buffy and the world, Joss Whedon. And I think it really applies here. You know, the people who are truly resolute with no, no regard to the complexities are people like Thanos. Oh, and I think Captain America's counter is, you know, we don't trade lives. That's kind of the side that he comes down on. 
Mm-hmm. But even then, eventually, some people crack, or do they? You know, obviously, Doctor Strange maybe saw a plan for things. Well, yeah, presumably, presumably, Tony Stark is like a key part of well, this is, the end game. That's why I don't give Peter Quill too much grief for like flipping out and attacking Thanos, as I feel like Doctor Strange knew would happen and he could have stopped it if he wanted to. Well, and and I I'm assuming based on Peter Quill's whole like this is my plan, ha! Like I'm guessing Doctor Strange really didn't expel a lot of details to them about the I one time think, I was fourteen I don't think million. He explained it at all. No. Yeah. Which I would have thought Tony would have been like, I I need something more here. Mm-hmm. Goatee to goatee, I need you to I need you to come straight with me. Um, but yeah, Thanos's motivations i mean i think this probably works better than trying to impress death his uh you know friend's own girlfriend or whatever um it's an interesting conundrum you know the the idea of being kind of a conservationist there's too many people so we just need to get rid of half of them and then everyone will thrive you know and i'll even do it fairly like not picking and choosing um it's psychotic but i guess you could kind of see where he's coming from you know, it's like the the worst impulses of authoritarianism, you know, disguised as benevolence. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Thomas Malthus thing. I, on one hand, it is interesting, a query that we'll be running into in our own, you know, future of humanity with resources running out. Um, so there are times where I'm like, eh, I kind of, I kind of get. I, I get the subject matter that would lead to the, the conversation that would get to the philosophy where he's at. Mm-hmm. Um, See, that's why I, I, wonder- I, I think he's, that's why I think he's different from Killmonger in that regard is that Killmonger just wanted to be on top. He was like, we need to flip things around because well, of I this guess- injustice. Whereas like Thanos seemingly is just content to, you know, wipe out half the universe and then chill. <laughs> Let me let me let me clarify my earlier comment. It's not that I I see them as being remotely the same ideology. It's that I think at some point they realize we have a serious villain issue, and our our villains aren't fleshed out. They're not real characters. They're barely used. And with Killmonger, the mix was right of like making it a real character with like motivations that you understood, and whether or not you agree with Thanos, they definitely hit home. Like you definitely walk out of that theater understanding why Thanos wants to do what he, what he wants to do. Well, Thanos is the hero of his own story. Like, and this, like if this was the Thanos movie, it's like he won, you know, this is his hero's journey kind of. Which I think is the, is, is my favorite aspect of this. I think no other movie would have been brave enough to like, let's just make him straight up the main character. Mm -hmm. The movie starts (laughs) with him. It ends with him. He has the most screen time throughout it. When I, I had read that, like in some interview that the Russo brothers did, or like, oh, it's a Thanos movie, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that sounds awful, but surprisingly, it worked. Well, because you think it's going to be just him, like jawing the whole time and like mm-hmm. putting people in death traps and like doing cruel monologue, like ebony mawing over them mm-hmm. the whole time, and really, it's not like he doesn't talk that much. And when he does talk, I, I kind of. I kind of like that it comes out of a, a certain respect or, or brokenheartedness. I mean, just there's the Quill thing, like you said, where he kind of respects that Quill will be resolute and, and do as Gamora asks. But also it's, the line from the trailer, like, hey, Tony, out of all the people who are left, 
I hope they remember you. Well, in the trailer, that line sounds like a diss. You're like, damn, that what a way to ether somebody. But like in the movie, yeah. it's a compliment. You know, he's like he's sincere. It's one warrior to another. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope they remember you. Um, I yeah, I really liked like when he first showed up in the first trailer for this movie. It was like, ooh, I don't know about Thanos, but I don't know. The CGI worked. I think they they managed to convey like a a weightiness like physically to his character. There's a part where he like sits down on the steps and is kind of like. He has this kind of like body language where he's just like shrugging and kind of like hands on his knees, you know, like I definitely bought that this was like a real person and not just CGI. The physicality of him sold the the scene with Gamora's end to me the most, just his ginormous hand and her little hand when he like takes her away from her uh, from her family. I just love um, the like she's just like, what is what are you kidding me? Tears. And the Red Skull, they're not for him. Yeah. What a line. Which is why, like, man, is that is that it for Red Skull or is there more? I'm really curious as to why, like, you could have had any, you could have just been some weird guardian or whatever, you know, like as the, the Soul Stone person. But to bring the Red Skull in, I think that's fascinating. I just, I would love to hear when they get to the point where they can talk about it, why the Red Skull? Was it just mm-hmm. because he's like the iconic comic book character that they did the least with in the movies? I mean, I would, I would be fine with like the new guy doing Red Skull for now. And I'm not like precious about Hugo Weaving doing it. You know? No, and my understanding of Ross Markhand is that he's like excellent at uh, accents and, and mm-hmm. impressions. Vocal and impressions, yeah. Um, yeah, but like if you knew anything about Captain America comics, you would think going into if you said, oh, there's going to be like three Captain America movies and he's going to be in a bunch of other movies, too. You would think that the Red Skull would essentially get the Loki treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, where he just keeps showing up. And yeah. I kind of appreciated that he didn't get that. And then we let actual Nazis into our real lives. And I know there are a lot of, um, I don't know if you remember back in the Winter Soldier days, people were like, oh, Pierce, you know, Robert Redford, that's actually Red Skull. He's going to like rip oh, off yeah, his yeah. face eventually, which I would have been fine with. That would have been very impressive. That would have been so bizarre <laughs> to have Robert Redford as the Red Skull. But yeah. Um, there's a moment where Gamora is talking to Peter and Peter's very just like kind of like wants to like flirt and make out. And like, I like how like she she's like, I need you to kill me because of something I know. And he's just like not taking it seriously. And she's like, swear to me on your mother. And like that mm-hmm. was the thing that's like that shut him up and made him realize it was serious. And then yeah. she she was so close to saying, I trust you to kill me. Like that line wasn't quite in the movie, but I really wanted it to be. Mm hmm. Uh, I I think Zoe Saldana is great. Like I said, I don't think the previous movies have delivered the Gamora character to the point where she needed to be. I think what really worked for me is that scene where she's talking to Peter Quill there, and you know her her actual death scene. But I love the just a little moment of not just the introduction to the Guardians with the rubber band man, but mm-hmm. just she's the way along. she's just passionately singing along. And you think yeah. about like how many fucking times they must have heard all the songs in that stupid zune <laughs> how how many songs is it i don't know like a couple thousand maybe on a zune i don't know i don't know how big the zunes got but i mean more than a fucking mixtape that's for sure yeah yeah true i mean did the zune also come loaded nothing but nothing but like some like classic 70s jams or was there a little bit more on it you know when did he get abducted? Did he get abducted in the 80s? 
I think it's 88. Okay, so there's there's potential for some 80s music there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think there's such an interesting opportunity to do like music as the like narrative cornerstones for a a life, um, especially with those kind of songs that are so recognized they've they've slipped from the ether of being like top hits to being like canon you're creeping into my make one change i'll just say that for now oh with the music Mm -hmm. okay um let me see what other notes do i have here yeah as i mentioned earlier like you can really see how little time they had for some of the characters like captain america and his crew they just Mm -hmm. don't have a whole lot you know i kind of like i don't know how long this takes place after um black panther because like when when Rhodes and falcon get to wakanda i kind of wanted them to have like a slight moment together it doesn't need to be like a monologue or anything but like it's going to be different for the two black avengers to go to wakanda as opposed to everyone else you know um i don't know maybe they've gone there before so it's not a big deal i mean i don't know how much time has passed well and and don't just do the uh like should i bow I mean, Joke. you know, Rhodes having fun and whatnot, but yeah, like I, I don't know, like I, I, I wanted like maybe Rhodes has been there before, but Falcon hasn't or something. I don't know, but like I feel like there was a, an opportunity for just a, a subtle little moment there, some sort of acknowledgement well, of where they are. The part of the problem with some of these movies is that they're so big, and you have to do what you have to do because of the the story and 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 the plot. But like, I got something from like one of the interviews with uh, Don Cheadle where he talked about like the Rhodes character and like what, mm-hmm. what he brought to the backstory, what they worked out in the backstory to come to this, where the, all the shit that he's got, you know, computers broken back and what have you all comes out of like Tony's extra guilt mm-hmm. for causing those situations. And like, that's, that's real interesting shit to explore. And you're just, you're never going to have time in this movie. And so it's nice to see Rhodes like laughing and joking and like choosing cap's side and everything. I mean, I uh, do think for the tiny amount that Don Cheadle has to work with, he mm. does do a good job of conveying an older, you know, broken and reformed person. He's not the same Rhodes that he used to be. And he barely has any opportunity to show that. But, like, it's there in the performance, I feel like. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, and like like Nat and Bruce, like, they, they could have had a whole conversation. They don't. It's basically just like, hello. Oh, yes, you're back. You know, which for me, as my me personally, what I took away from that is. I felt deprived of more black widow. Yeah. I feel like I had, I had plenty of Bruce Banner in this movie. Like maybe, maybe even a, a scotch too much. There's, I would have loved a little more black widow, even if it wasn't especially about their relationship. I mean, I'm basically expecting like Bruce Banner and uh, black widow to show up in like two like tubs side by side with each other, you know, because somebody has a performance <laughs> issue in this movie. But, uh, yeah. But is this after he tried to cheat on his wife? Who's cheating on his wife? This is after Mark Ruffalo tries to cheat on his wife. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I forgot about our, our But he's going to be like, mm-hmm. Nat, I forgot to tell you. While I was in Cigar, uh, Hulk got married. <laughs> <laughs> Can Hulk have kids? Like, if, if he's if he's Hulk when he does the deed? I, I mean, think so. I don't know. I feel like that, that might hurt. But, um, yeah, Hulk baby. Um, oh, rewinding back a bit to the stones. The stones. Mm-hmm. My feeling is stones. that part- there's there's a part. I sorry, I gotta cut in. There's a part where Peter Dinklage says the stones, which is it just sounds so Tyrion. I just couldn't help but laugh when he says it. 
Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling that like the rewind will hinge on like one of the stones. And I feel like it's probably the soul stone. Could be. I not, mean, the, the theory is that the that's where all the, the souls are trapped, you know? Yeah. But there's also the possibility that the Ant-Man and the Wasp go into like the quantum realm or whatever to time travel that way. Hmm. And of course, Captain Marvel. Am I wrong? Did they, they cast what's her name is it michelle Michelle pfeiffer Pfeiffer? yeah i think so if we both think it then it must be true or or it should be anyways there's someone someone clearly watched both batman returns and mother and they were like it's got to be michelle pfeiffer Mm -hmm. (laughs) no hawkeye in this movie (laughs) apparently him and ant-man both cut deals yeah house arrest deals which is interesting i guess he really does have to finish the uh living room now hawkeye does yeah, the sunroom. Mm-hmm. So, is he just like sitting in front of CNN drinking a beer, and she's just like, "Honey, you know I would support your avenging, but <laughs> you're gonna need to go till that field." Yeah, you know we didn't do Civil War, but I mean that that movie's basically Avengers two point five. You could have called that Avengers three. This is Avengers four, and the next one's Avengers five. And I don't think you're really missing much, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, Civil War. I, he has the uh, the line about his retirement. You know, went golfing. You know, shot eighteen or whatever the line is. You know, eight, eighteen holes, shot eighteen. That's that's a Hawkeye thing, all right. Yeah, but still, I really I really enjoyed Hawkeye in this movie. That yeah, I I just really missed the way that Jeremy Renner kind of does this. Like he has this kind of like jogging around move in his uh, superhero getup that I always find amusing. There's something about the way he runs which is funny to me. Hmm. It's like, I feel hmm. like he's, his legs come up a little too high. It's very, it's like a jaunty jog, you know, like a couple weeks ago, I went to Netflix. Like, I think before we talked about the first Avengers or maybe after we did the first Avengers and I went to Netflix and I pulled up civil war and I don't, and I just clicked on it like wherever I had left off the previous time I had watched it. And it was like just the start of the airport fight. Mm. which I thought was interesting. So I just watched like the airport fight that night. So I, I only kind of remembered like the, the ending of it. Yeah. Basically Iron Man finds out that winter soldier killed his parents and he goes ape shit and beats the shit out of Bucky, which the thing that I'm always, the question I, I probably could have had answered on my own somewhere that I forgot is when does cap find that out? Um, kind of the same time ish i mean there's some dialogue there he's like did you knew or did you know i think cap he says yeah well no he kind of knows because he see he saw it from the the zola computer and winter soldier so he kind of knew he just never really like acknowledged it okay because he he did he you know just doesn't blame bucky for it because it's like he was brainwashed you know yeah i uh you know, I, I I can imagine what it means to him, but I I got to give it to to Buck. Like, just gonna do whatever you're gonna do to help out in Wakanda. Like, just one arm, the White Wolf. You, you know they've got another arm for you, and you're like, no, only feel, when it's serious. I feel like he needed like white hair to be called the White Wolf. Yeah, yeah. But that'd be an interesting look for the Winter Soldier. He'd match with the uh, Black Widow. The Winter Team. Mm-hmm. Oh, just this white hair, like long white hair instead of the brown hair. Hmm. <laughs> and representing the Targaryens on the battlefield. <laughs> Seriously. There's <laughs> there's the stones. There's a fair amount of Bucky widow shippers out there. 
Uh, that's probably a comic book thing. I but, think so. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. That makes a lot more sense. I believe that that comes about when he finally becomes Captain America. Mm. Which like, now that you're captain, which I always supported. I mean, um, where's Agent Thirteen? Seriously, where is she in this movie? Also, are are Maria Hill like? What are Maria Hill and Nick Fury doing? <laughs> Working for like Shadow Shield or something? Yeah, like, I know. for two years now. What have they been doing? Because <laughs> I'm assuming they have not popped up on that TV show whatsoever. No, they haven't. It kind of seems like the TV show, like whatever. Whatever part of Shield the TV show is working with right now is like a different part from Nick Fury Shield because like Shield like they there there was like LMDs who assassinated like a congressperson and yeah so people are mad at Shield again on the show like at some point are they gonna, is there like off screen is there like a thing that's canon where like Nick Fury went to go get Coulson's help and he's like what do you mean they're all on a motherfucking computer I don't got time for this yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, like, where is Agent Thirteen? Would it, has he been like off stealing moments with her in the past uh, two years? As usual, somehow, somehow only Pepper gets to appear in the Avengers movies. You know, yeah. All the other girlfriends. Sorry about that. But yeah, Jeff I'm Foster, trying to think of thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, what else we need to cover here? I mean, the Vormir stuff interesting crazy red skull and all that um i mean i guess it makes sense that peter quill had flipped out when he realizes that gamora is dead like that's how he reacted when he found out that ego killed his mom like it, it doesn't seem out of character to me although it is it's like oh you fucking idiot you know like there's definitely that feeling of like you're ruining it like you guys mm-hmm. had the perfect plan well like the question then becomes like is that going to be part of his journey in in volume three of guardians like Becoming more level-headed. I mean, it kind of um, seems like Rocket is the... He, he's yeah, joking well, about being the captain, but he kind of actually has taken on that more sensible persona. Yeah, I think Rocket has a great little mini arc here where he you know, realizes he has to go be the captain. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the group thing in the teenage aspect is it's just a little video game. Like, I wish he had some kind of like outer space phone or something. There was an opportunity to do more teen jokes, and they kind of just had one joke that they kept doing over and over again. You know, yeah, it was like oh, yeah. I was just playing video games. Like they they could have done. He's like doing like Instagram filters, or I don't know something else. You know, or just like like what does he keep like locking himself in his room for for hours? You know, I mean, you could have had. There is a joke of great jokes where like rockets just like you know if you keep it up you're gonna go blind. I mean, they, they talk about acorns. They talk about sap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rocket says, uh, oh, are you gonna afraid we're going to see your twig? Everyone's seen a twig. Thor speaks Groot. It was an elective. It was an elective. Asgardian high school. <laughs> oh, he's 1,500 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, Asgard High. That's, that's a, a whole. That's, that's a TV that's show. That's right I want. Yeah. Yeah. Just and the 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 trick to it be like a successful pilot script would be how many times can you have the characters say Asgard High? Well, you know, towards the end when we see like young Gamora, I don't know, inside the Soul Stone or the Soul Dimension or wherever that is. Like, mm. what if the next movie has all these like like little like Muppet Baby Avengers running around, like all these like like ten year old 
or I don't know, maybe eight-year-old versions of uh, all the characters who disappeared. So, okay. How did you perceive that? Because I assumed that that was as close as they were going to get to the Lady Death thing or some personification of the stone to him. Um, it, it makes sense to use Gamora for that instead of Lady Death. But that's the metaphysical avatar that will speak to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the the general thing with Infinity Gauntlet is presumably you can do more than just like snap your fingers and like wipe out half the life in the galaxy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. assuming that you can I guess do that's anything. how he heals himself. Yeah, he, he goes. He, did he always have like a little little cottage, like a little retirement cottage set away? Well, is that Titan? They can't be always, no, because uh, they're on Titan at the end, so that must be somewhere else. Yeah, they're still on. Titan. Yeah, I mean, couldn't he effectively repopulate Titan with the Infinity Gauntlet? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure whether or not the Infinity Gauntlet has the power to create matter or not or if it can just affect matter you know what the, like, can he create life with it obviously you can kill people with it but like could he like manifest a life from the ether you know it's still kind of like vague what it can do can do so the way he lays up the guardians on nowhere with the reality stone and then it fades as he leaves that was a pretty cool sequence yeah it, it, visually like that body horror is, is terrifying but i was like i really thought that, that like the reality stone works i thought drax and mantis were just fucking dead there <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean like we don't really sense, see the, the reality stone as it's presented in the dark world is just like it's just like this weird fog like we don't really see what it does at all yeah i guess i i'm like is it only applicable to like when you're in the room I mean, I guess if you, you want to re if you matterize them, if you teleport away, uh, like the effect fades or something. Yeah, I don't. It, it seemingly it's not a permanent thing. Because I guess my feeling when you describe the infinity stones and the, the when you apply them to like uh, handware is that you become like the master of everything. Would yeah. be my thought. I mean, I don't know. He doesn't hasn't really mastered the the gauntlet yet, though. I did like that. When he's using the Infinity Stone, the powers that he's using light up on the on the gauntlet. Like when Doctor Strange does his whole like multiple strange attack on him, he the so the Soul mm-hmm. Stone and the Power Stone both light up, so he can figure out which one's the real Strange and then like attack him. Like that was pretty clever. It's small details. Yeah. yeah. So I want to say. Okay, in the original Infinity Gauntlet comic book, he wins, he wipes out half of life, he goes and makes time to canoodle with death, and then at some point while he's like letting his, you know, hair down or whatever, Gamora is the one who goes and steals the gauntlet, and like Thanos teams up with the the Avengers to go stop her. Hmm. I know Adam Warlock is Not Gamora, uh, Nebula. Nebula. Adam Warlock is involved um, in one of the comic versions of this. Of course, yeah. Squirrel Girl defeats Thanos at one point. Um, oh, and uh, Adam Warlock's coffin is at the end of Guardians 2? But apparently that's not coming back till Guardians 3, so it won't be involved in Infinity War. Or, or you know, presumably won't, won't be. We'll see. Um, isn't Jude Law in Captain Marvel? Is like the original Captain Marvel? 
Maybe that sounds right. I don't know. Like how did how did Jude Law become Captain Marvel and uh, Dumbledore? Yeah, I don't know, man. Evil magic deal did he make? Hmm. Jude Law is uh, fine. I don't know. We'll see how big of a role he has. I'm not a huge Jude Law fan. Um, I did see somewhere that Karen Gillan wants to direct a female Avengers movie, which sounds very cool. I want to say she has a short film coming out. Yeah, yeah, she does. I, I mean, Nebula being left over with Tony at the end, that's a buddy comedy there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, they're going to have fun. I, I predict he uses part of her to make a spaceship. They have a ship there. Didn't the, their ship crash? The, um, the donut? No, because uh, the Guardians flew there, didn't they? And whatever ship the Guardians are oh. flying in now. It's not the Milano anymore because that like crashed. But yeah, they flew there. Okay. I mean, presumably it's like parked off screen somewhere. Mm. But yeah, that because I, I was wondering, it's like, oh, so how the fuck does Tony get home? But yeah, I guess there's like a ship nearby they can use because, you know, no Doctor Strange to teleport them anymore. It, I was like, it, it would be a fun, like, 10 minutes of the movie if he was completely stranded of her on this, this wasteland. I just wonder, like, is there a way that they can hand wave to get, like, Karen Gillan, or not Karen Gillan, but, but Nebula with, like, long red hair in the next movie so Karen Gillan doesn't have to wear the uh, the skull cap through the whole thing? Uh, is, she, is she back to skull caps? I thought she was still shaving her head. Oh, no, no. She's not since the first movie. Yeah, her hair is okay. back. You know who I would pay $1,000 to see hang out with Karen Gillan? Uh, who? Dre Davis. Oh, okay. I like the idea of that. I think that that's a buddy anything that I would I would be so for. <laughs> like if Dre Davis wrote a short movie that Karen Gillan directed and they both starred in it, I'm so into that. I dig that, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely into Karen Gillan as Nebula, like her like, very low register voice. Yeah. It's always interesting to hear. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> She's she's great in these movies. Like I with I, like almost nothing to do. Yeah. But it works. I mean, like mm-hmm. to me, Nebula is the redeeming aspect of like the creation on the writer side of, of Gamora. And that said, again, I cannot stress much how much I appreciate what Zoe Saldana does in this movie. I think she's great. Yeah. I something about, you know, my my Lack of love for Chris Pratt, though. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I, I feel like uh, maybe we talked about this on the last podcast, but I think Jurassic World is a lot to blame for that. And, you yeah. know, his like divorce as well. Probably, you know, it's like, I don't know who I don't know who's at fault there or if anyone's at fault, but like we kind of all assume it was his, his fault. You know, I've I've had issues with Chris Pratt since way back when, like since Everwood. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm going I'm going, I'm going deep. Well, let's see. Is there anything else we need to cover here? I mean, the rapture, I guess. Let me ask you this, because uh, accepting Peter and Black Panther's fadeaways, was there another one that hit you particularly hard? The snapping. No. Um, I mean, it took me like, you know, 15 seconds to be like, oh, shit, this is what it looks like. This is how it happens. Mm-hmm. I think I was I was more hit hard by the death of Vision. Hmm, interesting. I kind of like the look of him when he goes gray. Do you wonder if maybe Shuri was successful enough at whatever the fuck she was doing that like 
they could do like a white vision in the next oh, one. Oh, absolutely. I was just going to say. Because he, he turns all like kind of gray and black. And yeah, I don't know. She's made a synthetic stone to replace the old one. And now he's like, like kind of shades white. Or or she's just off somewhere, create like 3D printed a new, you know, like, uh, g- like white Gandalf version of vision mm-hmm. in her lab. Oh, they got most of the body there. Like, I feel like it's it turned gray, but if you put like a synthetic stone in or something to like wake him back up, it could like turn white instead. I don't know. That'd be cool. I, I'd be down for I it. I mean, if it was me doing it, this is such a stupid minor quibble. I would totally have them create a brand new body for him and just have him come and like assess his previous body. Because I feel like the uh, um, the nature of vision where he's like basically auditing humanity. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of him just kind of standing over his own corpse and, uh, I don't know, assessing mortality and then being like, all right, time to go fight or whatever. <laughs> that reminds me, um, early in the movie when the spaceship shows up and Tony goes outside and like sees like people kind of running away, there's a mm-hmm. moment where a young black woman falls down right in front of him and he leans down and picks her back up. I kind of wonder, like, is that some super stealth Easter egg to Riri? Oh, interesting. It just like it just seemed like the movie went a little bit out of its way to have that happen. Like there's no reason for him to like help a single civilian in that moment, but he does, you know. I like that detail of of Tony. Um it would be it would be interesting. I mean, I think for a phase 4 or phase 5 or whatever, like, you know, setting up the next 10 years, I think you absolutely need to prepare to like transition to what do they call her like Ironheart? I think she's just Iron uh, Man, isn't she? I can't remember. But Riri she's in Williams, a Iron I Man. think. Riri Williams, but I yeah. think her actual name is Ironheart. Sure. But yeah, the the new Iron Man, basically. Iron Woman or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that was intentional or just a, a coincidence. But both times I watched it, I thought about that. I mean, because that's, that's the thing, is is transitioning... Like, so, like, the heroes die, but the legends live forever. Like, bring in Bucky as a new Captain America. Get a new Iron person. Um, You know, lure back. <laughs> I want Falcon. Uh, Nelly Portman, uh, oh. James Foster as Thor. He can do Sif as Thor. I want Falcon as uh, the new Captain America, personally. I don't have a problem with that. I, I really enjoyed... I, so, the whole... the the. The way that you capped off the Winter Soldier storyline in the comics for me worked by having him assume Steve's duties. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I really felt, I felt like they worked that storyline. They earned it. So that's why I'm always for that one. I have no problem with Falcon becoming Captain America. It just always seemed weird to me to see Captain America with like the wings. <laughs> well, um, speaking of Falcon, that was the one where I just like felt just bad. Like no one even sees Falcon go. He just like roadies like walks by right after and it's like hey sam where are you or whatever you know like he just doesn't even see him disappear it's like man that sucked yeah and then rocket losing group well i I like the way they play of it in the post-credits scene like you see maria hill disappear you see like nick fury bumping into people who are disappearing and you're like what's nick fury he's gonna have to like assemble all these avengers in the sequel and like nope (laughs) well to me the the really genius moment of that you know rapturing was when Black Panther comes over to Koya and he's like, General, get up, you know, now is not the this is not the place to die, or something like that. And then yeah. he disappears instead of her. And the way it's framed, he's like holding her arm, and you're not sure who's fading at first. 
Yeah. And then it's like, oh shit, it's Black Panther and not her, you know, like that. You can't do that. You can't Black Panther. He, he just had a huge ass movie, you know? No, there he goes. Yeah. He's got a movie. How are you mm-hmm. doing this? Yeah. Which the cynical thing is like, oh, of course he's coming back. But in the moment, like just Okoye is like shocked, you know, it's like, and the audience is like audible gas in my theater. It's just like, oh my God, like they, they just do that, you know? Well, and, and it's funny because there's a Vulture article called Did Avengers Affinity War Kill Off the Right Characters? And to that point, I would argue, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, um, the, the pl- Peter Parker there, his spidey sense told him it was coming. Mantis's did too. In a way, her empathic abilities. Like, he's just like, oh, I don't feel good, you know. Mr. Stark, yeah. I don't want to go. I mean, that's just like designed to just stab you in the gut, basically. Yeah. No, because because Tony's got all these like wards and people that he feels bad about. Well, and Tony's survival guilt has been a theme pretty much through his entire, you know, multi movie story arc, even going all the way back to uh, when he's in the cave there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like for him to lose everyone, especially Peter Parker, just a complete punch to the gut. Oh, and they're gonna have some fun when Tony gets back to Earth and. Finds I mean, out. Is Pepper still there? Yeah. Yeah. Wedding's off. Mm. I guess there's like a, a set photo somewhere where he has like gray hair, and so which is why people think it's in the future. And also I think they, they cast like a teenage version of uh Ant Man's daughter. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe they'll just be some timey wimey stuff. We'll see. Well, but I feel like we already know there's something with putting them in like the Avengers one costumes. Well, do you think so? Supposedly Gamora's home planet thrived after Gamora like massacred them. Will, will earth thrive afterwards? Will that be part of it? How like, yeah, it was horrible for a while, but five years later, things are actually pretty great. Well, I think that's, that's, there's an issue there. If you want to talk about make one change of not getting a little more taste of, people suffering through this, this situation. Um, and then how do you not get into like uh, some aspect of like referring to the political situation of like America and the world right now? You know what I mean? Like we don't have a, we don't have a sane leader to carry us through this kind of crisis. Well, maybe he disappeared too. Well, I don't know. Do you want to do or make one change? Yeah, let's do it. What do you got? Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, Say that one. Like I'm gonna have two. I'm gonna steal one of yours, or what I think one of yours will be, and adapt it. Um, I think it's a little bit, like I said, a little touch of what's going on back on Earth, other than Thunderbolt Ross, other than like the cut scene at the end with uh, uh, Nick Fury and and Maria Hill. I'm fascinated to know, like I know they filmed stuff with Brie Larson specifically for this movie. I'm fascinated hmm. about all that stuff. But the, the, a lot of the characters, like the what's her name, the woman that like gives Tony the shit in civil war in the hallway after he does his like Ted talk. Oh um, really? They yeah. Like back? Alfred Woodward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they gave, they had a scene of her anyways. Um, so something, something back on earth during all this stuff, like showing people like showing even like Thunderbolt Ross, like being like, fuck, you know, I could send people after captain America, but he is fighting for all of us or whatever. Um, that's one of my changes. The other would be if I could anticipate what yours is or, or take mine from it. I would do more with Gardens of the Galaxy music. Hmm, okay. I would love to see Peter Quill like turn on a jam when they're like trying to take on Thanos. 
I mean, like I said, to me, part of the tone of it felt like a Guardians cosmic adventure anyway. You might as well like have him blast some music I, in, in something other than like ACDC. <laughs> yeah, just seriously. I, I think if, if I really sat and thought hard about it, I probably have more, but those are the two that come to me right away. Mm-hmm. Well, mine would be it's all related to the credits, basically. I number one, I feel like the credits looked a little chintzy. I think they should have been spoofed up a little bit to kind of do the disintegration effect for all of them, you know, like mm-hmm. all the, the main cast names and whatnot, I would move the the end credit scene forward to like after the main credit so it's not all the way at the end because mm-hmm. I feel like you almost don't want your audience, you don't want your audience to have too much time to talk and I feel like there was like too much time for the audience to process before we got that last scene. I think it should have come sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the big change that I'll do is I think that should have gone on that should have turned into a montage like after Maria Hill looks in the thing and the driver's seat and sees that there's no one in the car like I wanted to see what's going on like all around the world I feel like that was an opportunity for them to get a little artistic get a mm-hmm. little a little less Marvel and kind of have fun with it it's like okay guys half the world is disappearing go for it like Go get yourself a good song, not the same song from the end of Venture Brothers season four, but a song that has that kind of vibe to it. You know, like I feel like not, not pulp. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like this is a moment to kind of reel your audience back in a little and give them some hope. I mean, maybe they didn't want to do that, but the Captain Marvel signal is close enough that I feel like they could have just done a little more like give us the worldwide like i want to see what this looks like when you're on an airplane and half the passengers disappear i want to see a freeway with like half the cars crashing you know like give me like you know a minute long montage of all this crazy stuff happening over a song and then come back to maria and sam jackson disappearing before the uh, signal goes out to captain marvel and Um, and then you cut to the rest of the credits on like you know right at the breakdown or the end of a breakdown a bridge of a good pop song presumably whatever it, w- it would be contingent on what they're planning to do in the next one. But I think that would be the time to have fun with the audience and sneak in cameos from like the agents of shield. Totally. Like Luke yeah. Cage. Yeah. You could, you could really go nuts and be like, we're going to have 20 or, you know, 10, 15, 10 scenes from all over the place, like showing people vanish and, and all this variety of ways just to kind of show the scope of it and then come back. You know what that reminds me of? It's this is a, it's a dumb joke that I don't know if aged well. Is they did that in uh, they did something like that in the second Austin Powers, like the dick joke, where they kept cutting around the world. <laughs> yeah, and they, they kept building into the next, you know, Willie, Holy, Willie Nelson, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that there are times when Marvel feels a little too utilitarian in their filmmaking, where like mm-hmm. there was a there was a moment there where they could kind of go iconic and be artistic and they just like kept it just very tightly focused instead. Yeah. I find the Russos to be workmanlike journeyman, like not like that they're apprentices, but like there's not an abundance of a specific style to me. Um, Whereas we're talking about James Gunn, you definitely feel those are James Gunn movies. And even to a certain extent, like especially by Age of Ultron, it really feels like a Joss Whedon movie. So much as anything feels like a Joss Whedon movie. I mean, you can just imagine with the right pop song, like this 
crazy montage of people vanishing all over the world. And then you get the sending message to Captain Marvel at the very end. Like, I don't know. I feel like it would be a little bit more of an uplifting ending and not purely just dark and dismal, you know? But it gets you, depending on the right song, it gets Mm -hmm. you like excited. Like I said, not the same song from the end of Venture Brothers season four, but a song like that. Yeah. Something that gets you like really like, I fucking can't wait for next year. Mm Yeah. Captain Marvel will save us all. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they they get halfway there. Like that that sequence by itself is good. Don't get me wrong. Like just the fact that we zoom in on the fucking pager that's sending a message to Captain Marvel and her logo appearing at the end. Like that's a really good moment. And they even had the music rising up a little to kind of hit that moment. But I just mm-hmm. think they could have done even more. Yeah, I'm very curious what that means for where she's been and, and how you contact her via, you know, 90 specific technology. <laughs> and then now is the only time you even tried. Yeah. I, I can only assume it'd be like time travel, something where she's like, where did she go? She's like, went from her end of her movie into the future, like kind of a captain America. Yeah. I don't know. I'm fascinated though. Um, can't wait to see Captain Marvel now. Yeah. So Ant-Man's next. Ant-Man, the wasp, then Captain Marvel. Then the as yet untitled Avengers Four, okay, possibly Avengers Forever. I know that's one speculative title that's out there. Hmm. Avengers Secret Wars. I I guess Kevin Feige like he like backtracked recently and is like, oh, the title's not that big of a deal, so maybe it's not some massive spoiler, and they just didn't want to say. Well, I, I, yeah, I wonder because I mean, it's like at this point, it it can it li- possibly live up to hype? Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, it was I right or was I right about this being a part one? Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to announce at any point, this is Avengers Infinity War parts one and part two, I feel like there's going to be something left in the DNA of the story that has that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll get the the sequence in the second one where Natasha and Bruce go on the run and they dance in a tent to some weird pop song. <laughs> some Nick Cave song, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. It's fucking red right hand. Power rankings time. So you have what, 11? I have 10 and a half, yeah. yeah. You have 45? I have 40. You want to just power through your first 30 real quick? Power through 49 or 40 and on? Sure. Um, at number 40, I have Hawkeye. Sorry, Hawkeye. Hmm. Somehow he still came in last. Uh, no, so 39, Captain Marvel. 38, The Collector. I was sure that was not Benicio Del Toro, but it's in the credits that that was him. Like, did did, yeah. it, did that look like Benicio to you? Uh, No, only in the sense that you never got a close-up of him. You never exactly. got close to him. It didn't sound like his voice. Oh, he's like, magnificent, magnificent. Yeah. I mean, if you told me that that was all like dialogue recorded from outtakes of Guardians, I would have believed it. I was sure that was not Benicio. Yeah, I'm I'm a little curious about that. Anyways, that was 38. 37, Maria Hill. 36, Nick Fury. 35, Cole Obsidian. 34, Corvus Glaive. 33, Ned. 32, M'Baku, who I guess is king now. Right? No. Good point, I think yeah. he's next in line. How does that work succession-wise? I don't know. I mean, he's he's related, I believe, if uh, my memory of Black Panther is correct. He's like in in the royal lineage there. So 
unless somebody challenges him, I guess it goes to him. Well, he, you know, I, I assume it's more just like a, a countryman thing. He calls him brother when he shows up. I thought that he could only enter the challenge because he was like, you know, one of the heads of a tribe. Maybe that. Yeah. But so I don't know. I mean, presumably maybe he's, he's at least one head of the tribes that's still there. So unless there are others that want to challenge the, him, the crazy thing is like the queen mother is still alive. Why isn't, yeah, but I, it wouldn't, charged? I don't know. It's, it's a patriarchal society, I guess. So, it's not going to go to sure. They, they don't. They don't bow, but the ladies don't get to be in charge. Yeah. Uh, Thirty-one red skull, thirty pepper pots, twenty-nine mantis, twenty-eight Etri, uh, Tyrion's character, twenty-seven Heimdall, twenty-six Loki, twenty-five General Ross, twenty-four Nebula, twenty-three Shuri, twenty-two Vision, twenty-one Falcon, number twenty the Winter Soldier, nineteen Wong, eighteen Groot. 17 Winter Soldier, 16 Proxima Midnight, 15 is Drax, 14 Black Widow, 13 Black Panther, 12 Okoye, and then my number 11, Rocket. Rocket, I think, had a lot of growth in this, maybe even more than his other movies. I didn't entirely buy his storyline in Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. Like, maybe it's just because I hate Michael Rooker as an actor, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like Rocket like showed significant growth in this movie. Oh, yeah, I thought that was... It was, it was just filler. That was the problem I had with Gardens too. Is that a lot of it felt like filler. The part where Michael Rooker's just like you're me, like it, it seemed almost like a parody. Like I couldn't take it seriously. Well, once you get to the whole like Mary Poppins thing, it's like this is dumb. Um, did you say Winter Soldier twice by any chance? I don't think so. No, no, I okay. have a twenty. Okay. All right. Well, what do you got for your ten and a half? Uh, my my ten and a half is Peter Quill. Like I said, aforementioned issues. Do I have? Uh, is my I guess did eleven Star Lord? Maybe I didn't say Star Lord. Did he not rank for me? Good for you. Oh, sorry. I mean, he would have been somewhere in the middle up there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Star Lord in your fucking face. Yeah. So, what's your ten? My number 10 was Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit leaning too much on, you know, performance uh, issues there. But I like the idea that Hulk is scared for the first time in his life because he got the shit beat out of him. Yeah. And it's going to be an interesting idea if uh, uh, he like Bruce has to somehow do therapy for the Hulk to mm-hmm. build up his confidence or will there ever be a merging of those personalities? I guess, you know, which is, um, from when I was a kid, when I, they did that in ever, comics, right. Whenever I looked at like Hulk comics, there was a run by Peter David in which, yeah, the Hulk was always the Hulk, the big green guy, but he was this kind of like erudite effete. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. Like he'd go kick the shit out of somebody and then he'd go back and he'd like either have his feet like in bunny slippers or he'd always be like soaking his feet and like wearing like a smoking jacket and just like mm-hmm. relaxing off a book. And he just felt like he was talking for British accent. I don't know. I just I always love that version of the Hulk. Nice. Um, yeah. My number 10 is also Bruce Banner. There are times when he just felt like a, such a silly little dude to me here. I. I don't know. It was it was just a touch too much. Bruce Banner. So, right. um, there's a lot of him so he had to make my top 10 
Yeah, number nine, I have Captain America. Didn't have a ton to do in the movie, but he had his, you know, I am Steve Rogers line. Um, and he got his big, big entry moment fighting the Black Order there. So give it to him. I kind of am glad that they didn't, like, actually have him be like, I'm nomad. Yeah, really. Um, well, you know, they everybody thought Tony and Steve were going to die. Tony even got stabbed, and yet, no, they lived. Yeah. Um. My number nine, it's three characters tied. It's it's uh, Ant-Man, it's Hawkeye, and it's especially, especially, especially Captain Marvel. The Oscar heroes who will save us all. Yeah, especially Captain Marvel. And Hawkeye, yeah. Going to use a bow and arrow and fix it everything. <laughs> all right, where are we at? Nine? Uh, Sorry, or eight, yeah. Never yeah, right, yeah. right. Got a massive mm-hmm. fucking list here. Uh, I've got Scarlet Witch, big Scarlet Witch fan. Uh, she didn't have a huge role, like screen time wise, but pretty pivotal just in terms of like the plot and the themes and whatnot. You know, like not only was she eventually forced to kill her boyfriend, she had to then watch it happen all over again. It's pretty mm-hmm. brutal. And then she dies. She she seemed happy to be fading away. Yeah. Uh, my number seven, another tie. It's Drax, and to a lesser extent, Rocket. But I'm sorry, th- that one scene of Drax, it just worked for me. It's so dumb and fun, and like Rocket's okay, Groot's okay. They're funny little concepts. Something about the comedic timing of Dave Bautista, I, I shouldn't appreciate it as much as I do, but I do. I think he was better in this than in Guardians too. I feel like. Guardians yeah. 2 in general, there's a little bit too much of the Guardians laughing at their own jokes. Mm-hmm. When it, like instead of like allowing the audience to laugh at them, you know, like it just felt well, like a little forced. The the relationship between like Drax and Mantis over time starts to really wear on me. Cause they're really playing with like the expectations, and then it just gets to him just like constantly talking shit to this this mm-hmm. woman. You're beautiful on the inside yeah <laughs> uh where are we at number seven i put this guy mm-hmm. all the way number seven just because i felt like he was really effective uh ebony ma i just like as a henchman like i, I hated him so much in his like just preening like you know your you know savior thanos is going to murder you all now and you should really fucking appreciate it like i just uh hated him yeah i I hated him and I would love to have more of him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm totally fine with that being at the expense of Corvus Glaive and <laughs> Cole Obsidian. <laughs> Cole Obsidian for sure. I think you need Proxima Midnight. Um, she could have been much more interesting. But yeah, uh, my number seven is the Stones themselves. I kind of like them as just the MacGuffin. It's a satisfying idea watching this character go place to place, collecting these things, regardless of what he comes across and what he faces. Um, they're they're They work as just like this weird oddity of trying to understand like, well, what does the soul stone mean? What is that? What comes with that? What does the reality stone mean? Well, so, so yeah. I, I hadn't asked you about it, but were you spoiled or aware of, of any potential plot points that were going to happen in this movie? Not really. I mean, I guess I was, I could, I guess I could say I was kind of sort of spoiled just because in, I can't remember if it was in the final trailer or one of the TV spots, Gamora has a line about how, like, if he gets all six infinity stones, he could snap his fingers and like kill half the universe. 
Mm. And like I was I knew that from the comics, there was a snap that did just that. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of going to happen then. Right. Like like that. That's, you know, a Chekhov's glove, Chekhov's guns type of situation there. Like if you mention that, like to me, it was like, okay, well, that's probably what's going to happen in the movie. Like especially if this is a part one kind of movie, like I don't see how it doesn't happen. Like it seems like they're setting that up. So not not exactly spoiled but i was kind of expecting the snap to happen i guess i would say well i think it's an interesting idea that like obliquely that is the threat here's a guy who has such power that he can snap his fingers and end the world or in the all life and it's like guess what that's exactly his plan Mm -hmm. or half yeah what is uh what is the isn't there a line in dark knight where it's like what do you want half it's it's like the fans are like hey marvel which character is going to die in infinity war and marvel's like uh half yeah, which, by the way, I, I counted in my uh, top 40 here, which I really I guess mm-hmm. it should be top 41 if you include Star-Lord. It is literally 20 out of 21 or 20 out of 41 of these characters I've mentioned in the, the top 40 here die. So, yeah, it's half. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot of fucking people die. Uh, but yeah, the stones are my are my number whatever. Number seven. Yeah, my number six, Spider-Man, Peter Parker. I think he uh, he really he's a newcomer to the Avengers movies and he really brought a lot to it. Give us the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And then he died. <laughs> it's interesting to see him paired up with Tony again. What do you think uh, of his weird like spider legs? The like kind of pop out of his back. Yeah. I mean, those those are definitely from the Iron Spider outfit in the comics. And I think those were, if you could say spoiled, I knew that those were going to happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. They're the thing where I'm just like, I don't know, is it nanotech? Like, where did, how does that pop out? I, yeah, I don't have a problem with them. I, I just don't think you had room to do anything with them. You know, I mean, not, it, not it effectively. was neat that after Thanos, they almost got the glove off him and then he got it back from uh, Spider-Man there. Spider-Man almost got it off. He Thanos like throws everyone up into the air, and Spider Man like uses his powers to like rescue everyone, which I thought was pretty cool. He's like, yeah, you know, grabbing Mantis and then like Star Lord and Drax and Doctor Strange and all that. It's pretty cool. I mean, the problem with this costume here is I really enjoyed how much of Homecoming was spent of him just exploring the usages of his costume mm-hmm. that one and, and figuring out, I mean, I liked that They kind of showed this costume there. They kind of get you a sense of like, this is like the, I don't know, destiny or whatever you're going to eventually level up to. But I just, I would like to see more usage of it instead of just like a big, but then again, secret wars is where Peter Parker got the black costume. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously that's not happening. No, <sighs> Ugh. I would love if Marvel is just like fuck it. We don't care about your Venom movie. We're doing the black costume. I would. I would just be fascinated if like with the Fox deal closing, if like the next one somehow like through some reality warping thing, like suddenly there are mutants. You know, <laughs> like if yeah. it if it ends with like Charles Xavier showing up. Well, I think what they'll do. Then they said they're doing an Eternals movie. No, they're not doing an Eternals movie. They did a terrible TV show instead. Or is it Celestials? Mm, no, I don't think so. Not on the docket. They've okay. they've been a little bit quiet so far about Phase Four. They've been kind of just talking about Phase Three so far. Well, I know they've been like talking about potentially a Nova movie, which I couldn't give a shit about. Um, but if they get to the Celestials, 
there's your presumably the celestials are like what started the mutants. So yeah, I don't think I, if they're going to do mutants, way. they don't need to get to the celestials first. I don't think. No, no, no. All right. People will be just happy seeing Wolverine show up. What do you got for number six? A uh, number six is where I have Scarlet Witch. Uh, and what can I say? Like I went in just wanting, like it's one of those things on my, my shopping list, my Christmas list was more Elizabeth Olsen and she does not disappoint. I, I think she's great. Like I said, the red hair, the red, the red magic powers, the hex powers. I wish they would say that in the movie. I always love that in the comics because it was so confusing. Like what the fuck are hex powers? Um, I think she's great. I think her relationship with vision works. I, I like that. She's not the one who's just like, Oh no, everyone's hinging. It's all hinging on them coming to get me. It's like, she's trying to protect this guy and she's actually like super fucking powerful and just more Elizabeth Olsen all the time. Thank you. All right. Number five, I have Iron Man, Tony Stark. Um, he, he bears a brunt in this movie. I, I really like the bit where he kind of throws everything he has at Thanos and it's like all that for a drop of blood. You know, you really see how overmatched he is, even with his super, super high tech new suit that like can like transform and all these different weapons when he needs them and all that. You know, I like that was like reforming to protect him when Thanos would damage it and all that. And he gets a drop of blood and then he gets stabbed by his own sword. Yeah. <laughs> audience uh, flipped out when that happened it was very silent in the theater oh yeah mm-hmm. um where are we at here my Number my five. next one my next one is captain america um like he said he doesn't have a whole lot to do but he's still steve rogers and i think they've just got perfect synergy with this character and chris evans portrayal of him that when he shows up it it gets you a lot in your movie and the, I think that shot of him from the trailer, you know, when he's holding that hand, that giant hand, that's going to go down as one of those like iconic things. On the way Thanos kind of smiles, like he appreciates it. He's just like, oh, that's that's nice that you're trying this hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four, I have Thor. Thor really really had a character rehabilitation happening as you know and Thor Ragnarok in this one like he's actually a fun character now not like a boring stiff uh, mm-hmm. I feel like they they unlocked like Chris Hemsworth is, has good comedic chops and they've kind of just I don't know even with all the the tragedy around him they've lightened up his character a little bit they've kind of embraced his his ditziness you know mm-hmm. uh, next up I have I have the Iron Man Tony Stark. I like that his goals are a little more singular. Um, I like that he ends up kind of out of his element. It's it's a nice idea taking him out of the fucking lab. He doesn't have to like caress holographic schematics in mm-hmm. midair and throw things around, projections around. Yeah, that never it's, happens, does it? It's just nice to see him like leading this ragtag group of people who it, he can't even do his like RDJ vocal Olympics around them because they just can't keep up. Like he can't, you know, talk a, throw a whole monologue of fifteen different pop culture references at Peter Parker. As Peter Parker just doesn't have that same, you know, like generational language to the point where he has to tell Peter Parker no more references for the rest of the ride for you. Um, but like he's he's almost I don't know not the heart, but he's the wounded fear of the Avengers. And I, 
I like seeing him not having to face that fear. Mm-hmm. Number three, I have Doctor Strange. I was surprised to see him rise this high, but I feel like he really owns this movie. Um, randomly, I rewatched his movie like a few days ago, so he's kind of fresh in my mind. I mean, that movie's fine. Um, good third act. I don't know. It just feels like a little slight, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's he's definitely like leveled way up uh, between that movie and this. And I don't know, like his power set's just really interesting. Um, he's He's a fun character to watch. And that he was the one... Seemingly the only one, I mean, I guess um, Wanda eventually makes the calculation, but he was the only one to like willing to let, you know, this horrible thing happen because he like he sees an end game in it, you know, that's advantageous. Like presumably he has a plan like he knew that Tony couldn't die. He he knew that like for the plan, you know, the only way they're going to win is if uh, Tony lives and Thanos gets the time stone. So he lets it lets it happen. Mm. I remember really enjoying the visual specifics of the magic and the other dimensions mm-hmm. in that movie. Like the, the mirror they really brought the seventies like Steranko illustrations and just the psychedelia to life in a, in a fun way. Um, like inception cityscape, you know, times 10. I really My, feel like in this movie, Dr. Strange, Cumberbatch was really getting into like, the crazy hand gestures and whatnot, like to do his magic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's like halfway to uh what's the thing from street fire, like a Hadouken. Yeah. He's, he's definitely like doing some like weird ninja moves beforehand. Like, yeah, he's about to throw a fireball. And I was like, don't, don't do it too long. Like you're just validating whatever this guy's doing. Um, yeah. So my next one is, uh, Thor, I, I really appreciate this this depiction of Thor. Um, uh, to me, this and Ragnarok are are somewhere. There's mix these two in a blender, and you've got a great character. Like he's a fun, crazy warrior who's like know nothing but pain because of his own arrogance and then other stuff. And he's usually like lighthearted and cheerful, but I kind of like this depiction of him as just like also a weary old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the perpetual mystery of like Dr. Who to you, it's, it's all of this stuff mixed up together. Like just how do you stay cheery when you're tired and you're old and you've seen everything and also you've only known tragedy because of time. Um, and I think this is a fun version of Thor that, uh, I'm curious what they do with this character when Chris Hemsworth retires to spend more time with his family. (laughs) Yeah, uh, my number two, Thanos. Unexpectedly, did not expect this character to be very good at all, but uh, he's definitely, this is his movie. And uh, Josh Brolin did well. I suspect that we're going to have the exact same two okay. and one. Uh, Thanos is also my number two. Uh, there were stretches of this movie where I, I wasn't loving the character, and I don't think Brolin is bad at all, but... I was impressed just that he is the star and that they, they let him have just moments where it's just all facial reactions and like mocap, like like taking shit in and thinking about it and being wistful and, and tears before he kills his daughter and what have you. Just throws her right off a cliff. Yeah. 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 Flings her like she's nothing. <laughs> and that scene was fucking dark. Like there are, there are like six and seven year old kids in the audience. That was wonderful. Yeah. 
And I don't, do we have the same number one? I don't know. Maybe we do. I have Gamora. I yep. feel like uh, she was the emotional center of the movie. I mean, she granted she exits it about halfway through, but uh, I think she kind of embodies. She both has to make a choice about whether or not she would sacrifice someone, and then get sacrificed herself because of it. You know, like two different mm-hmm. people. It's like Quill has to decide about her. She has to decide about Nebula, and then Thanos is just like, I'm going to throw you off this cliff. Mm-hmm. And like well, how, it, how horrifying it must be to realize that no, he is sincere and that you're the thing he loves the most. Yeah. Uh and and this was the biggest surprise to me was how much Gamora and, and Zoe Saldana just captured this movie for me. And this is a great thing if you can if you can work this this bit of narr- narrative weaving on a plot and as on an audience, just the having a character who's like willing to give up their life for a situation, then thinking, ha ha, I've managed to escape and survive and I'm going to win. Oh fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she gets to do all of that and she has a romance and she gets to save her sister and she gets to sing along to a great pop song. Um, obviously I don't want to see like a, a third guardians movie of Gamora, but it's funny that she is never used better in any of the movies than she is here. Yeah. I mean, I guess like Heimdall and Loki are probably dead, dead. I feel like everybody else could come back, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose, you know, if you did some timey wimey stuff, they just go back in time and bring back everyone. But I kind of feel like Gamora is like in the soul stone. So is seemingly everyone else that he like snapped to death. But it kind of seems like Heimdall and Loki, like that's it for them, which is probably fine. Well, like, uh, aren't they really the only two who aren't killed by Infinity Stones? Yeah, I mean, they're just like stabbed. Um, Yeah. I mean, granted, Grimoire is like thrown off a cliff, but it's kind of like related to the Soul Stone, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, would you recommend this movie? I would. I would absolutely recommend this movie. I would recommend seeing it, you know, as close to opening weekend as possible. Um, to me, it was just fascinating to feel the audience around me reacting. This is very much it's it's an overused thing to say, like, oh, it's the Empire Strikes Back of whatever. But like this kind of is it definitely gut punches everyone. You know, this is not an uplifting it's I don't know if he called a second act necessarily, although it's taking that place in the story kind of, you know. This is, is not the third act. No, not by no means at all. And like I said it's you have to view it as like the first of like a like a first half of a much larger movie, whatever act those all ultimately end up being. It's so much of it is left up in the air. Um, even though it does have a very interesting ending. And that I think that's the key to having it be Thanos' movie. As far as he's concerned, his story is over. Thanos will return. Yeah, that's just like a middle finger to the audience. Yeah. Um, was yeah, was I, there I, anyone I, I you're showing who was just like, "Fuck this"? Um, I ended up sitting next to this guy who I don't know if he was like homeless or just really dirty and smelly. Um, and the thing that surprised me is as I was getting up, as he was like in tears next to me. Wow. Yeah, he was just like crying interesting yeah and then i was relieved to be away from him because he smelled (laughs) 
Man, like I've been seated next to two people who like went and brought like a full meal from the uh, concession stand. Like I just I don't know. Settle down with that people. You know what? You know who always amazes me? I don't know if it's hubris or if they just really have the infinity stones on them. Is the people who go and get like the nachos. Yeah, the nachos, man. Like, and they like they're not the people who like, I'm gonna hurry up and eat those before the lights go out. Like they eat this in the middle of the movie. Um I remember flipping out on a friend of ours who met us for a movie and like his thing was he was gonna get the candy and sneak it in. And I don't know if you remember that day where during a hot summer, Steve brought us chocolate, like melted chocolate. I have a vague remembrance of that. And I'm just like, fuck you, man. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here in this movie and eat, like, first of all, hot chocolate and, like, walk out with, like, diarrhea mouth. Like, god damn you. That's also the friend who, like, his whole thing was, like, he would always try to share the candy. And it was like, look, man, when I go to the movies, I get candy for myself. I don't share it with anyone. I don't want your candy. I just, I'm fine. I'm cool. Well, like, yeah, this wasn't a date. Like, don't, you don't have to share your popcorn with me. If I wanted popcorn, I get popcorn. I don't need if I want your like, milk duds or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's I don't know. Not like, he's, I mean, I guess he's trying to be generous. So, you know, there's that. But still, it's like, I, I don't know. Do other people do that? You're constantly trying to share your candy with everyone else you go to the movies with? I mean, it's not like a homoerotic thing. Like, if I said to you, hey, man, do you want to share a popcorn with me? And you said, sure, that's one thing. But like, I, yeah, I, I always felt like he was expecting me to share my candy with him, and that just wasn't going to happen. No, you don't share your candy. You mm-hmm. shared your clothes, clothes with him, but not your candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you don't give up your sweet treats. But I mean, like, I'm fine if you asking me for some of your candy. I don't know what I'm going to say to you, but like, I, uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's the chocolate. It's a dark movie theater. Like, I'm not. There's a part of me that's not conscious. I'm just bringing shit to my mouth. Like, don't. Don't give me <laughs> gross, messy, sticky stuff. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Well, yes, go see Infinity War. Um, as to the podcast, I don't know. I feel like we maybe going to take a slight hiatus here. Are um, we? Yeah, just because my schedule's changed and whatnot. I don't know. We need to like figure out a new podcast schedule. Um, okay. Can I take a week off? Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll figure out what to talk about next. Not Marvel stuff. No, I mean, we at some point we'll dive into some of the Marvel stuff from the beginning, um, but not not right after yeah. Infinity War. So yeah. this is a good time to like hit us up with some suggestions again for what we should get into. Sure. Um, and I want to hear from people about like maybe some older movies. I don't know if we'll do those. I know, I know understandably you're very... I just scrolled past a picture on the internet of Tony's tracksuit. It's mm. cracking me up. Um, you're very much like, what are what are movies that like have kind of pierced the consciousness? People will know them, but I'm I don't know. I'm curious about some older movies, some suggestions. Yeah. Have you? I, oh, we talked about Riverdale last week, right? The musical. We don't need to talk about that. I think you talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because you've seen it, and I have not. Yeah. You- probably not miss much um i don't know probably. the show's gotten a little bit better but it's still riverdale I can, are you are you back into it now i wouldn't say i'm back into it i maybe paying a little bit more attention to it you know there's like two podcasts you know i listen to the riverdale register and two of pod i can just kind of follow them for finding out what's going on in the show without you know paying too close attention there you go there you go i uh i was waiting for you to say uh people keep asking me if i'm back in the riverdale <laughs> I guess, yeah, 
I'm back into Riverdale. I'm thinking I'm not back. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should do John Wick next. Eh, we'll see. Email us. Yeah. Tweet, tweet at us. Whatever. Yeah. If you have any any requests. Yeah. I'd like to hear from you again. Oh, are we so, supposed to do now you see me? I mean, there's always that as well. Yeah. There's always that. So if you don't want us to do <laughs> you see me, <laughs> give us some suggestions. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.